0: are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week we close out the Millennium Era as Godzilla celebrates 50 years and we get another all-out monster brawl. It's 2004's Godzilla Final Wars. Fun. yo hello yeah welcome to the bonds of the podcast i'm nick yeah i'm will and we not gonna bear the lead here we're at the end of the millennium era yes uh, this is uh you know it seems like this one has felt very much quicker than our other eras. yeah
1: yeah it, it kind of does like it, it, it seems like we were talking way more in depth about the Hazy era and and definitely oh, i just it's like the time has flown
0: by i yeah. just felt like even though it's Really not that many more films than the Hazy era, in, at least in theory, it's not like a huge more number, but right. it still felt like it was a long time, whereas like, uh, so it just kind of feels like you're kind of, you know, as you get closer to the end, it kind of things kind of fly by in some senses.
1: I think it's, like, one of the things from my perspective is that it's just, like, the Hazy era is such, like, a definitive amount of time. Whereas, like, when you're watching the Showa era, you're just kind of watching a series of Godzilla films that eventually comes to a close. Right. And the Hazy era also has the continuity thing. So it's a lot easier to look at that as, yeah. like, a beginning, middle, end and, type and the, the deal. Show,
0: the Showa really also has that, like, the web, I've talked about before, the, the mysterious nature of, like, you never knew what the next movie was going to really hold. Right. yeah. Uh, whereas once it gets modernized within the hasty end of the millennium era, there's kind of more of a distinct pattern with the style. Right, right. Whereas like, you know, because we've talked about this before too on the podcast where it's, you know, in the Showa era, it felt like every time was like, we're just making the movie because we just kind of want to make it yeah and, and like it's kind of they're kind of fun and cheap to do and mm-hmm, right and you know like oh we're gonna end it here not really you know okay you know, like so, so that nature whereas like once you get to the hazy, there's a more you know that you know godzilla 84 is very much a purposeful effort to be like well we're bringing this back and we're gonna right yeah make something out of this we're gonna we're gonna treat it with reverence well like we said it wasn't
1: until maybe like you know 95 until like toho realized that you know this is something to keep precious
0: but even the millennium era begins because the americans fucked up right yeah and and there's again that kind of like well we need to protect this we need to to show that this is
1: something worth continuing onward that's worthy of a deep dive of godzilla is brought back because of an american fuck-up i i I see some very rich material there (laughs) because originally you know you could argue that's why godzilla exists in the first place because you know you know (laughs) not bearing the lead but you know we kind of dropped a bomb i I just i thought you were talking about like
0: king of the monsters like <laughs> like the original oh, like the original bit, and then like you know then i was like and the americans fucked up because they wanted to call it gigantis the fire monster but no you're talking about the nukes
1: no 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 gigantis the fire monster would be like if they decided to jokerize the godzilla franchise oh my- where it's like <laughs> <laughs> let's like let's <laughs> wait hold on it is is 90 but when you think about it is 98 godzilla kind of like the joker but for godzilla at least in intent like where it's like listen like i don't believe a monster could actually you know be created by nuclear weapons what if it's just like a giant dinosaur and it's society that's actually the monster what if nick's face
0: Face. I can't believe
1: how true this sounds. Yes, it really is. Once right? you actually said it, I'm like, this really matches up with it, like it's made by a guy who clearly has no interest in the material that he's making. Yeah, and then just wants to kind of like do his own creatively controlled thing. Like yeah. it, it's just that that that's crazy. So you know, mark mark it on that. Uh, 98 Godzilla is about how society is the real kaiju in that in that film. But if you don't want any of that you know, that, you know, that nonsense, why don't you go back, we're going to go far in the other direction by giving you nothing but nonsense, and kaiju, and monsters, and even more nonsense, Nick, we're at the end, as you said, the Millennium Era, with the final film, the sixth film in the Millennium Era, and that is Godzilla Final Wars, released in 2004, directed by by Ryu uh, Ryuhei Kitamura. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kitamura, I definitely am pronouncing right. Um, at this point, once again, end of the Millennium series, five films under Toho's belt, ranging from Godzilla 2000 all the way to Godzilla Tokyo SOS. Uh, with all these films done, Toho decided that, once again, it was time to hang up the Godzilla belt, which is interesting considering that you know, they're back in this Millennium game, given, you know, uh, very haphazardly. You know, they did not intend to be making films as early as they did in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that they had committed to the films. And, you know, I think that w- and we will spend an episode talking about the Millennium series. Um, but I, it is interesting to note that... um they did have some commitment to making these five films, and they had a, a a creative mandate for what they wanted to do, and having a little bit of freedom within it. Um, and they they tried their thing, whether it was like lasting or definitive. You know, we will talk about in the future, but you know, they gave it the they gave it a good try to keep the franchise alive, which I think they ultimately did by creating like all these different versions. I think that one of the things that we have seen is that within these past five films that Toho went back and, you know, did the whole, like, all right, we're going to do slightly different versions of Godzilla and do slightly different things that are, you know, more, um, more that more resemble, like, what they were doing in the Showa era. Um, but now it's time to go back into an indefinite hiatus, which was, the one thing about it is that, you know, they were ready to essentially go back into hiatus similar to what they were going to do in 95 after Destroya. There's a sense of, of course... They're not going to hang up the, you know, they're not going to hang up Godzilla completely, uh, because there's a little bit of like, all right, this is their baby, so it's just more of like, all right, we're going to go on a break this time. But, you know, you just can't like just end the Godzilla franchise willy-nilly. Like, so Toho had decided, like, you know, what if we're going to not only release our final Godzilla film of the Millennium era, but with 2004 approaching, the 50th anniversary approaching, it it, we're going to go out on an all-out monster bash a monster mash as it was which is you know probably our you know our halloween tie-in for for this month um but you know very similar to what they were doing with the with destroy all monsters is that we're going to do this giant kaiju celebration and this time with an entire history of actually loving this character um so as they go into this uh for the director's chair toho turns to rihua kitamura um once again apologies for the first name if i'm uh, mispronouncing it but Kinomura uh, was approached because he was fresh off of the director's chair of a 2003 uh, manga adaptation of a film, and the film was called Azumi, and the biggest, the only important thing about that is that it was like a samurai film that was produced by Toho at the mm-hmm. time. So this was just kind of some guy, uh,
0: they, the guy they liked working with, mm-hmm. and yeah. and you know they thought that he could bring something interesting to the franchise.
1: So uh, Toho approached him for the fiftieth anniversary um, that would be marketed as the quote unquote end of the Godzilla franchise, and uh, Kitamura was a big Godzilla fan and eagerly hopped on board like it was just one of those things where they asked him and they they were talking to a couple different people but they said like would you be interested in doing this and Kitamura was like oh absolutely like I will hop and I will I will do it even though like it was it's interesting hearing him talk about it as we you know, most of the behind the scenes is actually from his account as we move forward. But uh, he was very much aware that this was a very much a quote unquote end of the yeah. series. Like he was not under any other pretense, like that
0: it would eventually come back. At right.
1: Some point. Yeah. But um, but as we move into that, um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about with the behind the scenes is very much through recounts of uh, Kitamura, and Kitamura is a director who, while you know we'll talk about like his actual approach to the film to the to the actual film of Final Wars and like you know what he says versus what's on screen but you know there's a bunch of different accounts and interviews of him talking about it that actually paints him as kind of like a very casual fun-loving guy with like th- at least this film who doesn't take himself too seriously doesn't take the material too seriously but definitely has a love for the material um he grew up being a big Godzilla fan um and uh, saying quoting things as like you know, being a Japanese director and being offered a Godzilla film is like a huge honor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why, you know, he was as soon as he was offered it, he's like, well, of course, like, it's like, how could you say no to to yeah. a film like this? Um, and uh, he would actually even cite back. Uh, he was a huge fan of the 70s. Uh, show of films uh, with his uh, particular favorite being Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla as his number one, I, like as at least the film that he would go to as like, that was my favorite Godzilla film.
0: That makes sense. <laughs> Considering a little Easter egg in this movie, as it makes very much sense. Um, so,
1: um, it, when, so Kinnamara's approach for the movie, and then in the process of developing the movie, there were actually some really good bits that I was able to find out about the, and this is very rare, it was actually interesting because with the a lot of the Godzilla movies, the actual details of the behind the scenes can be a little bit fuzzy and sometimes you have to go through like concept art and things. Whereas like Kitamura basically like he might as well have just did a tell all about like his like experience <laughs> with the film. Uh so Kitamura said like from the get-go that one of the base ideas for the movie was that it was to be Godzilla versus everyone. Mm-hmm. So that was always one of the primary That, that was of the always
0: movie. like kind of the pitch. Essentially. Yeah, it's like Godzilla versus the world, literally.
1: Yeah, and it, it was going to be one of these things like we're going to be celebrating with all these kaiju, so it's literally Godzilla, the everyone. Yeah. Um, one of the other ideas uh, that was always in there from the beginning was the return of Godzilla's initial alien foes of the zillions um, and from Planet X. From Planet X, and uh, they're, the idea of bringing them back as a sort of. You know, kind of like human-alien hybrid or having some sort of human connection was always the, there right, from yeah. the beginning. Because
0: remember, those are from Invasion of Astro Monster mm-hmm. uh, or Monster Zero, as yes. it were. And uh, they are the ones that like numbers and have the sunglasses and, you know, uh, basically, you know, sell. They In the original movie, they sell humans like, you know, the pills that... They, they allegedly like, hey, we're going to sell you pills that will cure all diseases or cure cancer. And then Correct. they're
1: like, nope, we're going to take you over anyways. Um, so the script was written by Wataru Momura, who um, we know has penned a lot of like the previous Millennium series. Like, I believe one Hasey film, but has been mostly involved in the screenwriting in, in, in of, okay. of the Millennium era. Uh, but uh, Kitamura uh, wanted to bring in some, flesh, uh, some fresh blood. Some flesh blood. Some flesh blood. Uh, so he brought in uh, his writers from his work on Toho's Azumi, um to, you know, kind of like do some rewrites and punch up some new ideas yeah. for the script. Um, so some ideas of the earlier script were um, we, we've seen that the Godzilla versus everyone um, idea still maintains, the Zillion uh, idea still maintains. There's not too much about like what that older script was, but there's one interesting. Uh, piece of information that there is some room for debate of how much this is actually true, but there is uh, y- there is some information to say like that it is actually true that there was some idea that for this to be the big celebration of Godzilla, that this Godzilla in this film would not only be the most powerful force to be reckoned with, the the king of the monsters that would fight everyone but would be none other than our Hazy era junior Godzilla that we last saw in 1995 uh, in Godzilla vs Destroya. Now there was some th- there was some consideration of that also being the case, you know, and I don't know if that was more of a fan thing for Godzilla 2000 that like it's the Godzilla 2000 Godzilla, the resurrected Godzilla Jr from 95 because as we remember in Godzilla vs Destroya, the last image was the junior Godzilla, potentially taking up the reins in a silhouette uh, yeah. from his uh, from his old man. Uh, but it seems that earlier drafts may have included that that would have actually had been the case in this film.
0: It's interesting.
1: Um, mostly because that kind of
0: really would be an odd choice just because of the way the Millennium Era was, but also would make sense within the Millennium Era because what we've talked about is how all these Godzilla movies, you know, other than, you know... The second Mecha Godzilla film have all taken place within their own continuity and are are their own sequels to fifty four or like this event happened in this year, and obviously like you know, oh, like you know war of the Gigantuans and Wathra happened in this movie, but in this movie it's only fifty four so I could actually very much see them being like, "Well, this is kind of our you know epilogue to the Hazy era right you know, and kind of bringing you know bringing in that continuity, especially because most of The Millennium Era takes things that are from the Showa era and puts them into, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it makes sense, especially if the direction was like this was to be a giant celebration. And, you know, as we see with the monster selection, they're reaching back to the Showa era. You know, this is right in the middle of the Millennium Era, so why not pick up something from the Hazy era? Um, Because, you know, I think going forward, the Hazy era is really not represented that much in this film. And... It's interesting to note that that would have been the big thing, is mm-hmm. that this is that Godzilla from the Hazy era. Yeah,
0: it's inter- it's interesting, too, because the Hazy era very much is something that becomes defined by bringing back monsters, and it really doesn't have original monsters to bring back. But, you know, there's kind of that element of it. There is
1: an element, though, and then this is kind of gets into the fandom thing, that I have seen some chatter about that – at least for headcanon that there's some people who kind of like the idea that this is oh, yeah. said this is junior from yeah. the 95 film because it's like or at least in concept of something similar right it's like and then why not because the movie is playing so vague with the timeline anyway and the movie and, and you can see from the DNA of the movie is that it opens up on a futuristic modern day setting and then it like kind of like jumps forward into the future mm-hmm. um, so I, I do kind of like that idea that, it, that this was like that original or, yeah. like, that. It's, an, it's an
0: interesting idea. It's an interesting concept.
1: So, um, so throughout the process of uh, writing the movie with uh, Kitamura and his writing team, um, Kitamura has described the process of, and then very favorably, as saying that the film had kind of taken on a more quote unquote Hollywood feel in terms of like a lot of the tropes. I think we're going to say a lot of the content as well, but we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, he kind of looked at it as kind of like a big action Hollywood three act structure blockbuster. And uh, he doesn't seem disparaging about it. He just yeah. said that seem, he 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 said that the film kind of took more of that DNA more so than what the Godzilla films had taken before, um, which I think we will kind of like dissect a little bit as we get into the actual movie himself. But one of the biggest things I think – this is something I think you're going to be the most interested in. That throughout the rewrites, one character was born. And that is the infamous Captain Gordon <laughs> through rewrites. Now, initially, there was always a captain character yeah. in the film. Mm-hmm. Like a guy who was always like, we need you to pilot the Gotengo, yeah. like, which is the big ship in this film. Yeah. But there was always a captain, but that role very much got increased into a bigger character because Kinemura felt like there needed to be like a a much more substantial kind of iconic character, and especially to give the big Hollywood action line of like we need to release Godzilla, like you know, because we he. Kitamura, and this is kind of what's kind of infectious about looking at his account of things, yeah. is like he kind of sees movies as like, well, you need the guy who comes up with the batshit idea. Like yeah. you need that scene where the guy's like, we're going to unleash him across the world and everybody's like, you're crazy, man. And it's like, it, even the way I'm, I'm even kind he, of getting He seems like he,
0: it. he's like, he's very much in your wheelhouse <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Some, in
1: some regards. <laughs> um, So that was always the idea. So... Uh, With this character, um, you know, coming up, this big captain character uh, being established in the film, uh, they needed to get somebody to play this character. Because otherwise they were going to get, you know, Japanese actors, some of the veteran actors, which we'll get into. Um, But, um, you know, for this role of the captain, they wanted to cast internationally. So first, the pitch for this, the number one who they wanted for this role was none other than John Reno. (laughs) I,
0: I okay. I gotta say, I would thought you, you were leading would... up to a Harrison Ford drop, <laughs> like just like they pitched it as Harrison Ford, and they immediately, obviously, said no. Wait, wait. Can we
1: can we just say right up front that we wish Harrison Ford was, was the captain? It, was Captain Gordon? Yeah,
0: of course. Like oh. we'll, we'll repeat it at the end, you know, because it's tradition. But yeah. But John, John, I think Reno. he should. I think he should have been. So John Reno. Yeah.
1: So they wanted John Reno as a nod to the '98 uh, American Godzilla film, and also because you know he kind of had that like renegade. Uh, type role in the film, and Kitamura has cited as like, oh, he was like one of my favorite parts of that movie. Like, you know, yeah. he, he's like, and he's such a great actor. And like, so he was one of the, he was the first pick that they wanted. And, yeah. you know, throughout either negotiations or, you know, he, Kitamura has kind of lamented that like getting American actors is very hard for these movies. Yeah. And,
0: it's not, it's definitely not an easy route to, you know, do. Yeah. Getting American actors to do Japanese commercials is, easy right getting american actors to do japanese films mm-hmm. not so much yeah
1: he he definitely there's some examples that he said that like the price point would that they oh, yeah. kind of wanted oh, for yeah, it was especially. was way too much and like so i would not i'm not surprised yeah they, he said john reno was more of like he didn't know really why that didn't work out it just didn't yeah. work out but it is interesting like to imagine john reno in, in, in this role. world uh but other uh ideas for the uh for the character included uh, actor Don Johnson as well as Christopher Lambert because uh, Kitamura has said, Highlander was a film that changed my life. And Highlander 2, the Quickening, (laughs) is a film that
0: changed all of history. (laughs) That's so, an all-time bad sequel. So th- by the way.
1: There, there is a verge. There's an alternate universe, Nick, where John Reno is Captain Gordon, and another one where Christopher Lambert is. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't have minded the Christopher Lambert. Christopher version. Lambert. Yeah,
0: you know he's good in Southland Tales.
1: That's true. That, that's <laughs> that's very much true. Um. So eventually, Kitamura would settle on none other than which you have way more um information Not, on this than yes, I do. I, I think. was actually
0: going to say this. So. Uh, Don Fry yes. uh, is the uh, actor who eventually inhibits the Captain Gordon role.
1: Tell me a little bit about this guy.
0: All right. So Don Fry uh, is a professional mixed martial artist and professional wrestler. Um, he was a mixed martial artist, a MMA fighter in the early days, like the underground days of uh, UFC. So like basically, like he's now around like UFC 200 and like whatever it is. Like he was fighting back in like UFC eight mm-hmm. like back when they were trying to ban it and and it, you know infamously like Congress called it like human chicken fighting and stuff like cock cockfighting essentially but he had like these legendary battles with like Ken Shamrock and Dan Severin and all that sort of stuff and then they eventually like most MMA wrestlers from that era transitioned into professional professional wrestling uh he would become a modern day gaijin in new Japan pro wrestling and mm-hmm. gaijin is a term for American wrestlers in Japan mm, at Japanese okay. wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of took the mantle from, from guys like Stan Henson and became kind of the modern American heel, the American bad guy within Japanese companies, and then eventually made a MMA comeback in post-9-11 in 2001. But so basically for- he was like a major... He was actually a pretty famous Japanese wrestler or American wrestler in Japan.
1: So for you, as somebody who follows this world, this was not that much of a shock that he was in a film like this.
0: The fact that he was in a Japanese movie, absolutely not. Like a Japanese movie from 2004. I mean, this would have been a little bit after his New Japan run uh, would have ended because he kind of fought within New Japan until 2000, 2001. There's a whole wrestling history I won't go into there. But he would he would have still been known as a person in Japan for sure. Like people would have recognized him, especially how with how big wrestling was in Japan. Um, and this was actually on a downturn of, of wrestling in Japan. But he would have been seen as one of those classic, like mm-hmm. you know, from like the late nineties heyday. This of, I
1: didn't. I I didn't know. I I didn't know. I to me like I always grew up with this movie being like there's this weird American guy in the in with a film, very I I mean,
0: mean, known also by the way for his very distinct mustache. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: And uh, so Kitamura, uh is a self-like professed big wrestling, boxing, MMA fan. Yeah, and he tells this story about how he went to you know to see one of these uh, you know these matches, and then Don Fry was there, and his words, not mine, Nick. He sat there saying like. Well why don't we get these guys? I mean, they can clearly act. So it's like, you know, they which I think is going to paint how Kitamura sees a film like this. Yeah. But he described Don Fry and like the people w- within this community as people who they clearly like present the character, they present the role and the personality and they they they're, they're just great performers is how Kitamura had looked at them. So he's like, why not get these guys yeah. in these in these films? That is very true about professional wrestlers. Does not always transition into the filmic role. Of
0: course. Of course. But that is something that's very true. I mean, we've seen it with people like The Rock, John
1: Cena. Yes. Even I'll say Edge, Adam Copeland. There's a lot of actors... Um, oh, oh, but I would go ahead and say that these guys are. I'm in Kimmer, uh, Kitamura's camp where they're great performers. There are. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Like you know, I don't know if they're great actors. Not all of them are. No, but not all. But they're great performers. They're great performers. Yeah. And I think that – And Kitamura is like looking at that. It's like, well, it, these guys have the chops. Let's just get yeah. this. So they bring uh, Don Fry into the classic role of Captain Gordon. Yes. Um, So, you know, they build up uh, the rest of their Japanese cast. Uh, One of the bigger things uh, that they do is they get as a Toho tradition is get some of the veteran actors and they do some deep pulls for these. Um, And some of the veteran actors include uh, Kenji Sahara, who plays a paleontologist uh, earlier in the film. Uh, But two of the biggest ones uh, were Akiya uh, Takarada, who plays the UN Secretary General, uh, who we see as like a big, very smiley role in in the film and one of my personal favorites in the film. And uh, Kumi Mizuno, who plays the Earth Defense Force Command, um who's the female head of like the the defense force and uh and it was interesting because there was a definitive uh kind of um um desire to if they were going to bring in these veteran actors that they wanted to give them an authoritative uh Mm -hmm. role like a like more of a head role not just some sort of like blase cameo that they wanted to do it but especially with um these two actors uh one of the things about it was that uh Kitamura really pushed them that not only did they he didn't want them as just a simple cameo, he wanted them as key roles in the film, uh as, you know, heads of authority, but also he wanted them in on the action as well, which I think kind of paints a third act in the in, yeah, in the yes. film, too. But his experience working with them was really interesting because his perception, he kind of seems, is like as a Godzilla fan, these were like, you know, veteran actors who had been working for so long, so he's like, alright, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna get you in there and then everybody, including Toho and even the actors are saying like, oh, so we'll be in like, you know, we'll do like a brief boardroom scene or something and you know, just be kind of like the older people in there. He's like, Kitamura's like, no man, I want you in on the action, I want you shooting lasers, I want you shooting guns and like, and they were game to do it but they were like, whoa, we, we've we never done that before and then Kitamura's attitude was like well what do you mean how could you not you're like you're veteran actors like how like so it's like his like it's hard not to get like as i'm reading his account of these tales it's hard not to like kind of like get on board with like his approach to to, Mm -hmm. to to the film um So that kind of, and then, you know, and we'll get into more of the rest of the cast as we talk about the characters, but those are really a lot of the notable about the behind the scenes of, like, making the film and with the human characters, but Nick, it's Godzilla Final Wars, not Godzilla Human Wars, let's get into the monsters. Nick, this is an all-out monster mash, once again, Mm -hmm. of the creatures, the kaiju themselves. Let's run down the list of who, it's, it's a who's who yes. of, of kaiju with, with this film. Obviously, we have our Godzilla, King of the Monsters, sporting a very new design for the Millennium Era, Um, One of the biggest things is that he sports a more reptilian, slender design, uh, a lot more combat fighting ready, and that was very much intentional by the design. Um, The suit performers of pretty much all the creatures in this film have always compared uh, Godzilla to dragging around a giant tire. Like, in, in terms of, like, the weight and the, the the heft of working with these suits. Whereas this suit was, like, I think somebody had said it's just, like, carrying around a small baby. Like, it's still, like, heavy, but it's, like, you know, you can manage it. Yeah,
0: but it's a little bit more in that realm, a little bit closer in terms of that slenderness and the movement to yeah. kind of the Showa era. Uh, Godzilla's where, you know, there was a lot more kind of energy... Uh, to that costume sometimes yeah whereas it, whereas it becomes more lumbering as you get into the Hazy era
1: yeah it, it's definitely it's designed in a way uh that's supposed to be very much more like hand-to-hand combat ready what, what did you think about the design of Godzilla in this one it's fine yeah
0: um it's definitely a step down from the mecha Godzilla uh against design which is we've said is like an all-time yes. all-timer one of the best uh I think like there was a like there's a weird thing going on with the eyes Sometimes where it's like looks like he's like has them squinted or closed a lot of times just in certain shots, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's like the thing where like the eyes are kind of hollow. It feels like the eyes are hollow for a second, and then like they finally like kind of light up, and it kind of looks a little bit better. I think it gets better as the movie goes on. I think again, it's just one of those things you kind of get used to, but it just as it is it's just coming off like an all timer design. It's just kind of a little bit of a step down, mm. um, but it, it works. It, I mean, there's nothing like. There's nothing exceedingly wrong in my eyes about it. There's nothing that's like, you know, it's not like it's not like the um, GMK one, which I'm still not a huge fan. Oh, of. Oh no,
1: yeah, that that's not a favorite of mine. I'm a little bit more favorable to this one. Yeah. I I I think that. It's a solid design. I I don't think it's Yeah, it, it,
0: solid's the right word.
1: For I don't it, think it's a good, top. I don't think it goes on a top or worst list, but I think for like if you were to see like this Godzilla design, I'm like, yeah,
0: that's a that's a solid yeah, one. Yeah, no, th- a good this one. is yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's
1: very much like in that realm. And I think it works for the functionality of it. I think it definitely works for the type of movie it is, and I like the idea that they're not, you know, beholden to a look of it. There's a sense of that I like that this movie has its own Godzilla. I think
0: that is the truth. I I think that is also very true which like as much as I really love the against and the uh um you know uh, Tokyo SOS design mm-hmm. of Godzilla. I think for a movie like this which is very much I think it's really its own really its own thing yeah I think you you needed to do like something different
1: I think it's definitely has that good anti-hero look to it I, I think that it has that like you know it's kind of got that furrowed evil brow thing but it's not like it looks like a monster like it, it's definitely like like this is like the good evil lizard guy yeah i, I, I that that's kind of like my take on yeah. it so i I, I think it. it's solid it's fine uh, so when we look at the other uh, monsters that are in the film, we can run them off because a lot of these film, a lot of these monsters we have seen before, um, but a lot of these monsters we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Obviously, a um, you know just to get get her out of the way is that we have a, an appearance by Mothra in this we film. Do. Fun fact about Mothra that um, while most of the uh, kaiju sport new designs, Mothra actually retains her Tokyo SOS um, puppet um, in this film. Um, but then we move ahead to Nick. He finally rears his four-legged head. Angiris, the Full. arm? Yeah, his four-legged head mm.
0: <laughs> didn't work. It Didn't? Uh, just I mean, if you want, if anybody out there wants to draw Angiris with four legs as his head, <laughs> I think that you would imagine work. Imagine
1: it's just like his head, but then just like just four, four legs, legs. legs uh, on it. But um, Angiris, uh, yes, uh, Angiris does finally return back, finally.
0: Yeah. After all the trials and tribulations, all uh, the almosts and the the start and the stops of that character coming back, mm-hmm. and Garris does make his first appearance since uh, Godzilla the original. Yeah. Uh, in uh, the late uh, early. I 70s. have
1: never been so viscerally reacted to hearing a roar for the first time in a long time. Like, you know, I love the roars in these movies, but the Anguirus roar for me was like once I finally heard it in a movie, I'm like, "Oh, it's back. It's like Ang yeah. and An- 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 Anguirus is back." And and frankly, Anguirus gets like, you know, not a lot of play, but like he is one of like the key first monsters yeah. that they show. Well, I've been I mentioned before
0: that Anguirus- Even though
1: I should say this is not my favorite Anguirus design.
0: No. Um I will say that I've been, you know, been like, "Well, Anguirus is, is due for like kind of the the reinvention." And in this movie, Anguirus can roll up into a ball, mm-hmm. like Sonic the Hedgehog style. And I thought that was a cool little. No, I, I, like, here's feature. the thing: like, like most of the things in this movie doesn't live up to its fullest potential. But if you were gonna do like, if you were, if you were gonna Rodan, Anguirus, that's the way. That's one of the ways to do it. And I think they do do some interesting things but it, it, a lot of that stuff more relates to, like, thoughts on the movie itself. But it is it is nice to see – it was nice to see Anguirus, nice to see him get a little licks in. Did you
1: remember he was in this movie?
0: That I did, yes. Okay. I did know I, – I teased that I knew this, but, yes, I did know that he was in this movie. Okay. I uh, did know that this was, like, his finally – his big return.
1: So uh, other uh, returning creatures include Rodan – uh Kamakuras, uh the giant uh praying mantis, uh Kamunga, the giant spider, um Abira, the giant lobster that Nick loves so much and uh um probably one of the most random pulls Manda, the sea serpent has mm-hmm. uh returned. Um and on and then we'll get to some of the newer monsters but on um personal request by Kitamura himself the four monsters that needed to be in this movie, because Kitamura's approach to this mon- to this movie about what monsters should be in it, they kind of, he claims that they had a pile of monsters in front of them. Yeah. And he even claims it to be like a pile of toys of the monsters, or whether it be toys or drawings or whatever. But he they kind of just like s- skim them around and be like, which, which are the ones that kind of speak to us the most yeah. that we want to see in this movie? But the four that Kitamura wanted the most in this movie were Manila, Now, Manila, he wanted in this film because he felt that it was important as a fan of the Showa era that there needed to be something representative of that more kid friendly era. And then Kitamura liked the more thematic elements of the Showa era, despite, like, you know, them being kind of like very ham fisted. He liked that those were in the movies and he felt that Manila was the monster that would be the easiest to kind of like. Represent that. Represent that in the film. You Um, mean not Gabra? Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine if Gabra was in this movie? Um, It would have been a real pull. But uh, that was the reason he wanted Manila in this movie. Um, Either that or adult Ichiro... Has like fully
0: formed his bulliness, yes, and like he's like some asshole. He he,
1: he should have been like like an evil corporate guy or yeah. something. Ichiro finally like Ichiro returns, uh, but
0: yeah, don't, and and Manila um, does, it, you know. Oh yeah, I, I think
1: you got to get this one out. Like his his design well, and it's, everything. It's
0: a little bit smoother, yeah. than than the original ugly baby design. It is very much in that ori- you know, not Godzilla Junior. It is Manila. It is the Manila from *Son of Godzilla* and *Destroy All Monsters*, and uh, like a goofy and, little and dinosaur attack, like yeah. goofy little like weirdo dinosaur thing. Uh, they they do smooth it out a little bit, and it's a little bit more palatable. Um, it's a nice little like kind of up. Like brief, minor little update to like the design to make it just a little bit less of an. And
1: and it's interesting because you're right, Manila hasn't appeared since the show era because the the little Godzillas that we have seen have been more of like a straightforward, like it's like a tiny little dinosaur, like dinosaur. Yeah. Um. So Manila, he wanted in the film um hedora he uh there is an appearance by hedora that a he wanted very in the film. brief appearance so and remember. uh he that was just one of his like you know he always thought that was an interesting monster uh that they that needed to come back that in one some... flipped
0: me in my mind that yeah because
1: like... you did that's the one i think you forgot the most that yeah. hedora was in this well actually
0: there is one there's a major one that i forgot the most but I will
1: um the yet. other one was uh gigan uh that's the it... one i forgot how did you forget Geigen was in this movie? That's like this is like the big, like, quote unquote like redesign of There's Gigan. a reason
0: I'm like, oh, like they should bring back Geigen in our monster episode. Yeah. Like our, our robot deep dive was because I completely forgot he was in this movie.
1: So guys so, so Geigen appears uh being But a... I also
0: think there's a reason for that.
1: <laughs> um But one of the things is and you were questioning this throughout the movie uh, quite a bit, which to my surprise, King Caesar.
0: Well, no, it makes sense now that Mechagodzilla is his favorite movie or one of his favorite movies. King
1: Caesar is one of his favorite kaiju, and that was one of his requests of, like, he wanted this in the film. That's all I wanted to know. He wanted King Caesar in the film. Um, So those are ones. uh, But some of the new ones we have, Nick, we have the newly christened Zilla in our film. Yeah. Zilla, the Toho, quote-unquote, version of the 98 Roland Emmerich Godzilla creature. Yes. Has reimagined itself in a fairly similar version, all CGI creation Kaiju mm-hmm. in this film. Um, this was one of those things where um, you know uh, Kitamura Kitamura seems to have a more playful, attitude toward this like that you know he kind of has that kind of like backhanded love for it where he's like well you know that 98 film is kind of like part of Godzilla lore at this point let's put him in the film and let's have a little bit of fun with him is like is it's kind of like that so it's kind of one of those things where at the end of the day despite all of that kind of uh, um you know making fun of the 98 film that Zilla has in some ways kind of gotten a little bit of respect by, despite how he, I mean, he has a role in this movie. Well, It's like we've talked about before
0: though. It's like when it's like, if you were to make that movie and just not call it Godzilla, it would have been a fine creature. Right. You know, we said like that, you know, it's more of a remake of the beast of 20,000 fathoms anyway. So to present it as its own thing and actually to kind of pay homage to like, even the way that 98 was shot in some ways, like there's there's one where you know the, you see the the Zilla you know looking down like an alleyway and mm-hmm. it, like it really does like you know this the CGI in, in '98 was better but not you know oh yeah incredible oh, yeah. yeah. like but it still like feels like this just a shot out of that movie mm-hmm. where you just see like Zilla like kind of running out and it's it, it is kind of a neat little like it is like an acknowledgement of the history mm-hmm. you know because it's it's like sometimes with you know with the franchise films like people want to forget, like, you know, they went, oh, we got to forget all the, oh, the it,
1: it's my least favorite thing about fans and franchise films yeah. is like that. I, I hate the like, well, like what's the movie that like erases the other movie? I hate it. I, well, it's I, I like, think but it's, it's just like, you've
0: got to acknowledge it and have fun with it. Yeah. Like, the fact that they acknowledge and that ninety eight exists and that Zilla is basically his own monster, yeah, is is kind of cool. At the end of the day, well,
1: you know what's interesting about this, and I, I was going to save this story for. And the- then,
0: like, even I feel like Zilla being in this movie is on the same token of Manila being in the movie because those are two things that you could easily, if you wanted to, shove to the side. Right. That like you like there there is probably an aspect of some people in the Godzilla fandom that like you know oh Manila is kind of that silly kid friendly. and it's like a really weird design and, you know, the smoke ring thing is so boring. But it's like, as much as I've, I've, you know, I've made fun of the design, it is really neat to see, like, just, hey, Manila's here and Joe's here. And it's like, that is kind of what can be fun about this movie.
1: Well, and and one of the things I think that's good-natured about it is during the premiere of this film is that uh, Patrick Tatopoulos, who designed uh, that, that Godzilla creature for the 98 film, was present for this And, you know, we'll get into the film about the treatment of Zilla in this film, but he walked away from the film saying it was very much an honor that, like, and he thought it was cool that the creature showed up at all in a classic Godzilla film. Right, like
0: in, like, a Toho movie. Yeah,
1: so there's a little bit of that. Um, So that kind of concludes all of the returning monsters, and really the only new monster that we have back is, uh, or that that we have in this film is a creature known as Monster X that can only be described as a bony uh, Power Rangers villain. Yeah, like you can definitely see this being like the Power Rangers villain that gets grown by Rita Repulsa by the mm-hmm. end of the episode. Um, and I, you know what? Let's not bury the lead. It's actually Ghidorah. <laughs> it just doesn't hide the fact that it's Ghidorah.
0: Cause it's like, Oh my God. It's, it's well, what like, did, what
1: did you think of the design of it? Like, I think it's a cool, but fairly generic design. It's
0: a cool, but fairly generic design. I actually think that aspects of the design are a little bit better done in the Geigen redesign that's in this movie. I actually mm-hmm. do kind of like the sleeker Geigen. Uh, the one aspect I do like about Geigen in this movie is that, that sleeker redesign. I feel like that the, what Mott was referring to it as monster X slash Kidora. um, First of all, it does not hide the fact that it's Ghidorah at all. Because no, you can but, clearly. But are
1: you saying. But if you were more of a casual fan of these okay. movies... like, would you. Would, like, we've been. It's so entrenched in yeah. this podcast so much. Because I, I did think about this because when I was even watching it, I was like, oh, it's clearly. Like, it's if, got if three he didn't heads. You really know about it. Yeah.
0: But there is, like, the thing is, like, you can kind of tell that there are two other heads. Yeah. Whether or not you know that means it's Ghidorah, that's, I mean, that's up to you. But you can tell. That it's like shoulders are heads. Mm. It's just because the, the the shoulders look so similar to the the original face, right? So it's one of those things where you know, I think it. I think it's they
1: try to hide it by not giving it a, it like the Ghidorah color scheme yes. and just making it look different i mean it doesn't matter because it turns into Ghidorah, which in this film is called kaiser Ghidorah, or within like the back of the box and the little labels monster x2 mm-hmm. um and it basically turns into a fun way yeah. of having Ghidorah in the film even though it's my least favorite design of a Ghidorah. yeah um,
0: it, uh, at comic-con at on the wall it was known as kaiser Ghidorah. was it mm-hmm. yeah okay
1: well uh, it has four legs and i hate it uh <laughs> I just don't like that it's like a four-legged dragon. I just love I love the original design of Ghidorah. It's like this weird yeah. kind of like I mean, again, it's fun to have him in the film, but um, but uh to kind of conclude the monster talk, um monsters that didn't make the cut, Nick, because yeah. I knew like you were They're... very uh interested in with the decision behind a yes. lot of these monsters. It seems to me that a lot of the decision was like, let's go deep cuts with these yeah. with these films. And yeah. I mean, a lot of like and then I think it's it makes you think of the Hazy era in terms of like, well, I guess there weren't a lot of like new monsters yeah. a, in that one. Um, but uh, one of the major cuts from the film was none other than the Hazy film. Speaking of them is Destroya was supposed to be in the film at some point. Whether he was more of the role of like kind of getting blasted away real quickly, or whether he was going to be more of like a bigger villain, like in that Gigan Monster X role, is kind of unknown. But it was known that Destroyer was meant to have some sort of appearance in the film at mm-hmm. some point. Um, while they are not in the film, Titanosaurus and Biolante can be seen very briefly. In a scene with a chubby little lad playing with uh, the Godzilla toys, there is a scene where he's freaking out playing with a bunch of Godzilla toys, complete with accurate uh, Godzilla kaiju sound effects. Uh, but if you look in that pile of toys, you can see a Titanosaurus and a Biolante figure, as well as at one point, I was okay. I think <laughs> I think I'm realizing what's going on here. <laughs> at one point he's bashing these toys together and says something around, along the lines of like you lose loser or something and throws you what lose, looks—
0: lose, huh? it's like he says like you lose loser turtle yeah, yeah yes
1: and then which he throws a turtleish figure into the fire which has led fans to believe is this a dig at the rival kaiju franchise gamma <laughs> That that was the connection I was starting to make. <laughs> that that's awesome that you like threw out all these talks. So you kind of picked up on kinda, that. But...
0: Well, just just now, like literally just now. Okay, all right. When we were up. talking about like biolant, I was like, oh yeah, the kid he has a I guess he has a biolanty and a titanosaurus. I'm like, wait, he throws a turtle in the fire. Wait a minute, mm-hmm. that seems a little bit too much. More-
1: Um, so that would have been fun. Um, there's some reports that the Zilla role before Kitamura did some rewrites that that may have actually been Gorosaurus, who we, uh, remember from the, uh, the kick, the, the 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 kickboxing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. From, uh, from destroy all monsters that, so that he may have been at the movie at some point. Um, Kitamura did mention Jet Jaguar in many of his interviews, he has said that a lot of fans have asked him of all these deep cuts why not Jet Jaguar. Admittedly he said he just can't get everything in the movie yeah. like that like and but his reasoning is, was for, like, he just felt that Jet Jaguar, quote-unquote, didn't fit in the world of this movie. I actually agree with this the more i thought about and it. And he the reason he said is, like, you know, we're already dealing with a bunch of kind of, like, like you know, karate fighting mutants yeah. and, like, a lot of that action that it just didn't it, – it, it felt out of place to include a robot that also did that.
0: My thing is – and this is what I thought about in the 24 hours or so since we saw the movie – I agree that Jet Jaguar wouldn't have fit because he, you can't have Godzilla fighting Jet Jaguar. like That's not going to be a thing. So you would have to have Jet Jaguar on the human side. And I feel like they really wanted to focus in on the Godzilla stuff. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine. However, I would say that if, I, if they were like Nick, you got to pick one kaiju. It got to be in the movie. Whatever you pick, it's got to be in there. I would have put in Megalon. Like, I would have put the deep cut Megalon. Meg-
1: Megalon, I think, should have been in. I think in, Megalon's,
0: like, the one where I'm like, that could have just been, even if it wasn't a Zilla way, like, well, or more, most of the monsters way, where it's just a quick little punch and he's done. You could have fit him into, like, an Ibira type of scene. Like, it would have worked.
1: I agree. No, I agree. Because otherwise,
0: like, all the, the other kaiju that you could have been in there, like, you know, maybe, like... I guess, like, because, you know, there's really, like, a lot of the ones we've mentioned and stuff like that. I kind of joked about Titanosaurus actually, during the movie. But I feel like Megalon's the one where I, if, like, of going all the kaiju that they could have gotten because, obviously, they can't get King Kong. Uh, all the kaiju that we could have actually gotten, I feel like Megalon's the one where I'd like that. I would have liked to see that one.
1: Well, it's also like when you look at any of the other ones, like Biolanti, Destroya, like these aren't monsters that right. scream out as disposable fodder. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like whether you love them, like you, like we love some of these monsters, but like Kamakuris and Kumonga and, are definitely fun monsters yeah. and uniquely designed, Especially but are with, good. Like with the fodder. purpose of
0: the movie being like it's about Godzilla, yeah, like mm-hmm. killing them,
1: yeah. Um, Though it would have been, I guess there you could argue that there is some fun to be have where it's like Destroyer was the monster that like killed Godzilla, so it would have been kind of fun to be like, oh, Godzilla okay. just blows him away like that. Yeah. That that would have been kind of fun. Maybe not. Uh, um. So anyway, so that kind of concludes like the entire kind of uh, process in which they made the movie. So they, you know, it's this giant monster mash celebration. They have uh, their selection of monsters. Uh, they have their cast of veteran and you know, Don Fry.
0: Fry. <laughs> well, actually, Will, now that you've done your thing... Yes. I do have a, a little bit of a research thing that I did for this oh, movie. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay, I lay it on me. I got
0: a Don Fry quote about making this movie.
1: Lay it on me. All lay right. it on me.
0: It, it's not an exact quote. I don't have it exactly with me, but the basic genesis of this was this was basically his first true acting role, um, which makes sense when you watch the movie. And he said that it was interesting for him because... Unlike, you know, is one of those things where in professional wrestling, he has, like, control over his creativity, like, the match. Like, you know, when, when two wrestlers put together a match, they, like, kind of do it together. Whereas he felt like he was interested that he had a lot less control over, like, acting in this movie. Because, like, he had, a you know, someone else's script to follow and direction to take. Mm, and, I see. And, I see. Yeah. and sort of that. So he thought that was a very interesting challenge for him. But overall, it was just like he just it was fun. Like it was like a fun little side thing that he did that was like kind of something completely different but he enjoyed the experience overall.
1: Interesting. Well, I'm I'm glad he enjoyed it, but did we enjoy the experience of watching Don Fry in Godzilla Final Wars as well as Godzilla Final Wars itself? We will find out right after the break with a Don Fry quote. Could
0: have been no one else. Listen, kid. There are two things you don't know about the Earth. One is me, and the other is Godzilla.
1: Yeah. Let's I have a question for you. Yeah. Godzilla Final Wars 20 mm-hmm. 2004. Yeah. 50th anniversary yes. of Godzilla. Yes. The film 50, that is 54 met, to 2004. The the film that's supposed to quote unquote end the franchise. Yeah. Terrible movie or brilliant somehow genius recreation of a Showa era film for the modern day. <laughs> In you decide. <laughs> this movie, it's so bad.
0: <laughs> it's an enjo- it's like it's so it's bad. an enjoyably bad movie. Not, but it's here is my thing. It's an enjoyably bad movie in that it's a bad movie that is enjoyable to watch, but it doesn't really rank on that like so bad. It's good level only because I feel like this movie just presents as much as there's interesting things to talk about and there are entertaining elements of it there are just too many glitches along the way in terms of really latching yourself onto the movie mm-hmm. i'm just, like my main criticism of this movie is that this movie lacks impact with what it presents mm-hmm. it's a movie that like listen in concept Uh, The idea of, like, Godzilla basically going on a complete rampage and just just literally destroying all monsters is kind of neat. Until it's, like, the fourth or fifth straight scene where a monster is just kind of, like, one-punched out of the way. Mm -hmm. And there's no real drama to it. There's no real... Mm, Interesting. Interesting. You know, here's my... And this is, like, going into the movie. But here's my baseline example. Here's my perfect example of, like, how I feel this movie is in that any other movie any other appearance of mothra is a huge deal like when mothra is actually born and like appears like it's like there's it's a scene it's a moment mm-hmm. you feel the impact of like mothra's here whereas in this movie you literally cut to Infant island there's a big flash mothra flies out and you cut to the next scene right. there's no real impact there's no real momentum in terms of an emotional attachment to what's going on you know and i feel like that is just very consistent with a lot of the monster action and it turns into something that's consistent with the human action so when i say that i didn't really remember this movie that well i think a big part of that is like nothing really last put an imprint on me Mm. in terms of like oh, this and that, whereas, like, Biolanti, in comparison to the other movie that we watched in that era, in that college era, like, you know, pre this podcast, like, Biolanti, I remembered, like, oh, it's, like, the weird Bond stuff, like, you know, or, like, you know, like, kind of the weird spy stuff, and you have, like, this, you know, tentacle creature, and you have, like, kind of the weirdo ending, there's, like, and because those, the film presents its moments as impactful, whether it's comedic, or whether it's you know, serious or whether it's kind of urethral or whatever it may be, it presents it as something to emotionally connect to, whether you do or not, you know, that's on the viewer, but it presents it that way. Whereas Final Wars, it's basically like, kind of like, here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a moment. Mm. We're going to cut them in and all, and then we're not going to really explain what's going on there until 20 minutes, 30 minutes later. It's just like, it just doesn't have that impact for me. It just I, doesn't
1: stick. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I agree with everything you say. I may be more forgiving on it on this on these grounds. I think that as this movie goes on and I think the Mothra scene is very much the the most telling of what you're saying. That's why I'm glad you kind of led with that. I think this is a movie that has no interest in being any sort of like dramatic serious movie. That's fair. And I think that it's one of these movies if this were a movie that was an like maybe because i think actually at the time this clocked in as the longest godzilla film mm-hmm. if this was maybe like a half hour 45 minutes shorter and if this was just kind of like maybe a little bit of an hour like godzilla celebration special yes and you kind of cut down way on like a lot of like the 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 human plot and stuff and just get right into that and if this was just kind of like a disposable but fun kind of like best yeah. of hits like movie I actually think, like, and, and honestly, if it was like, like, kind of like an animated special, we would kind of be looking at it as, like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like, you know, Kamakura, he fought Kamakura and he did that and he yeah. did this. And like, oh, there's Hedora. And I honestly, yeah. And I, and I think there's a level of, we're looking at it from more of like, we see that, we see potential in this. And we know that's, that there yeah. is more. Like, because despite what you think of any of these movies, like, when you see, like, the modern day King of the Monsters that just came out this yeah. year. And you see that, you know, you could say whatever you want about this movie, but Mothra is given gravitas and Ghidorah is given, like, a scene and even yeah. Rodan, even though, you know, there's been kind of, like, the meme about, like, you know, he's kind of a punk kaiju, but at least he's given more of, like, a presence in this. Right. This like, he's one, given an entrance. Right. Right. This movie just kind of views all of it as like hey remember like all your like essentially remember all these like fun like kind of like saturday morning cartoon characters you have and this is all them in one thing and like like so i think there's a level of when mothra appears we look at it as like it, it is kind of a little cheap but i think that the approach of it is the i i there's a part of me that can't can only fault it that much because the all the approach is just like yeah, like, and then and then Mothra shows up. It's no, like, and I it's fun. I
0: definitely get it's the in, I definitely get it's the intention of the movie. Yeah, but I, just, I I agree I, with you. I, definitely, I, the thing is, it's like, there's never been a Godzilla movie I enjoyed that didn't have good monster action, and that's the main thing that like, if you're celebrating Godzilla, mm-hmm. like, it's just
1: like so much of the action
0: becomes that quick
1: hit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was a little, I will admit. I was a little bit more favorable of that because I did, like, it became more of, like, the Mothra thing where I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you could have given Mothra a little bit more. Like, I get that, like, you know, sometimes that shows as, like, this guy I think loves Godzilla but may not have reverence for it in the same way that, like, you know, some other people may have. Like, that we see, like, he sees it as, like mothra shows up and then like and the crowd's probably going to give a pop for it like you know oh and then like finally mothra comes up because i think that he's not taking it seriously in the best way like he's like just having fun with it so there's a level of like when these monsters show up like let's just have fun which i think if this i think this would have Made the movie better if it was just like maybe an hour long special. Yeah, then you could have just had kind of disposable fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was a little bit more favorable to. I had fun with the whole like Kamikuris get out of here, Kamanga get out of here, yeah. like hadora fuck you. Like I I I had, uh, but I completely get where you're coming from. Where it doesn't necessarily make for a satisfying like big monster brawl. Yeah. But I, there's a part of me where it's like, yeah, he's the king of the monsters. Like. I, I kind of like it because I think, in even through the fandom, a lot of people consider yeah. this Final Wars Godzilla to be the most powerful of the Godzillas. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that.
0: It is still an entertaining watch, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but it is an entertaining watch, and I cannot deny that. And I would probably put it on, like, kind of the lower end, but, like, still nearer to the positive side of things mm-hmm. because I still had an enjoyable time kind of watching
1: this. Well, but the thing about the movie is. It's like, you know, maybe confidence is the wrong word, but it's so like, it's so sure of itself. It's so
0: sure of itself that the decisions it's making are right. Yeah. And the other thing about this movie, by the way, in that regard, because we mentioned this specifically, in that this movie
1: goes all over the place in terms of like ideas, concepts. Tones. But see, but but that's the thing. It's like as much as it does that and as much as it becomes like a hodgepodge of other like big movie ideas that we've seen, I can't say that it's not also trying to be celebratory of Godzilla. Like I do feel like it does feel like it it does fulfill that element because it has all the deep cuts with the monsters, the deep cuts with the references, some Easter eggs. And some Easter eggs, and it it like it ends with a big like Ghidorah, Godzilla battle, and it's all about Godzilla, even yes. though if it gets lost along the way. So I, there I, is that you can't fault it. I, at least I can't fault it for like not yeah. making I don't, good on that It's aspect. one of the things
0: where it's like a mixed feeling about that because on the one hand, yes, it does have a lot of really fun references to the Godzilla history and the lore, and it does do a good job of like – you do get a, a thrill about seeing, you know, N'Guerus again and, you know – Geigen and and stuff like that. You do get the thrill of like oh it was like this and like just kind of the history and the in again yeah. the, the little references. At the same time, I just do feel that there is there is more you could have done with the oh, concept. Oh sure, oh absolutely, one hundred percent. And like, it's just I like can't there is that kind of like that lost potential of like you know, and it's one of those things where I would loved you know if you like you and I made a big Monster Brawl movie, just like what it would be. But I'm also just thinking like. If you Because you, this is also a concept that, yes, it's the 50th anniversary and it's very specific, but if they ever wanted to do another big-ass brawl movie,
1: it's not that hard to do. I will say this. If I was... I think I would be more disappointed if... Th- if I was around during the time, and if I was like, if I had the Godzilla fandom I have now, and it's like, because because after this movie, we watched the trailers for this film, yeah, like on the on the Blu Ray, and they do a good job of pumping you up for like what this. They're is They're well going cut to be. trailers. They're well. They're well made. And trailers. if I was like the person I am now, and I was waiting for that movie, and this was the movie I got, I think I would have been bummed.
0: Yeah, I think there is a little bit of like. A reflection on but it, too. But
1: now that I'm like, well, this is just the movie it is, and yeah. we know that more Godzilla movies are coming, and this is now just part of the history, I don't know, man. Like, I kind of look at this as, like, maybe not some of the better Showa films, but I kind of look – there is a good amount of time, though, and this is kind of like – A, kind of makes me fascinated in the movie, but also kind of hurts the movie a little bit. This is a Showa-era film – but for the human characters Mm. in in many ways because the antics and the absurdity and the goofiness that you see for the monsters in the Showa era films, they just apply to the human characters in this movie by making it this weird hodgepodge of X-Men and... The Matrix. The Matrix and other... 90s, early 2000s action movie, it's like a little bit set like Star Wars thrown at one point. It's Like, like it's Star all... Wars is in in there at one point. That's what uh, I mean about the movie's all over. So, the the like, and briefly, because I don't really want to get into it that much. The premise of the movie is that at a certain, like, somewhat future, modern day point of 20XG6. point of time, yeah, that Godzilla was the big bad. They were able to get rid of him through trapping him in a block of ice. Uh, which is a nice little reference to Godzilla Raids Again. Like, this movie even, like, this movie pulls an end... Raids Again and King Kong. This movie pulls an endgame with how Endgame goes back and makes... uh Thor the dark world important this movie even has like a shout out to raids again and yeah. like how they and like with at ice. the beginning of, of King Kong as so well, yeah. they freeze him and that there's been a time of peace because Godzilla has been you know is has been on ice but
0: there's like an earth defense force yeah and like there and mutants have started appearing yes
1: there there is a force of mutants that have these superhuman powers that you know these-
0: that we really don't really know what they what it really is. No, it's
1: just they're stronger, faster, better Papa and, Johns. And can have like they like
0: and can have yeah. Matrix fights,
1: right? So they do that, and then meanwhile the all monsters start wreck, uh, wrecking, wrecking havoc yeah, again. All of a sudden,
0: like you know, Rodan's in New York and Zilla's in Sydney. And- okay,
1: can I just mention this? new york scene for a minute oh boy yes so at one point when they're going through the montage of all the places on in the world that and this was one of the first times that toho actually went on location outside of japan to film other so this new york thing uh scene i think was actually filmed in sydney uh australia but there's this weird scene where a cop is like towing a which I don't know why the cop is towing the car, but whatever. Like so, this cop is towing this pimp's car. It's and it's, it's a pimp. Yeah, it, it's definitely a pimp, and he's like, oh man, an, what's yeah? It? It's what? an African American pimp, to be clear. Yes, um, I actually think there's a there's a there's a bit where the the two actors actually auditioned for the opposite role or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, but anyway, the good
0: old uh, you. <laughs> You only live twice, strategy.
1: <laughs> so he, uh, so yeah, it's this pimp just being like, "Man, what are you doing?" Like, jacking my car, and then the and the cop.
0: And there's a homeless man there too, like, <laughs> like laughing at the whole thing. The, the
1: cop who is clearly like just dubbed over. Oh yes. So he's saying, in the, if you read his lips, he's like, "Back up, or I'm gonna fuck you up." Like is what he's saying, but in the dub, he's saying like. He's like, hey man, because it's also in English still. Yeah. So he's like, man, get back or I'm gonna bust you up. Like he's like, it's so weird. Kitamura knows this. He's very much aware of this, and he said that it is dubbed over because listen, I he's made films where there's a lot been a lot of blood and a lot of blood splatter, but this is a Godzilla film for kids, so he dubbed it over so there was no cursing in it. <laughs> And he's very much aware that that is a thing in the movie. And he said that he is very – and, he, and it is one of the scenes that he is very much happy with. <laughs> he, I'm glad. He, so anyway, but it's like I describe – Because then they're like going to shoot – We it. should also mention real quick that we had a third party watching this film oh, with yes. us. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, my girlfriend was watching this film with us. This is the first time she's ever seen a Godzilla film. And I had pitched it as Godzilla meets Power Rangers. And I'm talking about old school Power Rangers. Like original series yeah, Power Rangers. Yeah, there's a moment in this film that I think is exactly like this. Rodan flies overhead and knocks, and the wind knocks the hats off, the cop and the pimp, and it's that cartoony like whoop, whoop sound yeah, yes. as, as the hat goes off. Like literally a live and action remi- cartoon. And it reminded me of Power Rangers. Like remember when like Bulk and Skull would like slip on like a chair and it'd be like whoo. Like yeah. it would be like that. That's what was happening. Cause they're about to shoot this.
0: each other, and all of a sudden, they're like the the pimp. Like looks up, and he sees like Rodan. You don't see him yet, but he's just like staring off, and like yeah. And the well, cop- it
1: it it led to my favorite response from her when we were watching this movie because Rodan kind of does, like, it's all, like, flipping the wings thing yeah. and then she said, like, Rodan is fabulous. <laughs> and kind of, like, Rodan introduces himself in this way. It's like, here I am, folks. Here here I am on Broadway. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh, my God, that was so funny. Um, so, yeah, so... And the my- cop... I
0: also want to mention, too, by the way, that the cop, like, refuses to turn around. Like, he thinks it's some trick, like, that the pimp's going to shoot him in the back. But then he does... The cop does turn around. He's like, oh, man, there's a giant." flying pterodactyl
1: right right so the monsters are all wreaking havoc also you know, we, uh, we gotta
0: mention the zilla scene too uh so zilla's wreaking havoc yes in sydney sydney and again there's that shot i mentioned where he's like turning down the alleyway and it's right out of the roland Emmerich movie like exactly how roland Emmerich would do it and then there's these two guys in the alleyway and one of them like trips and the other guy's just, like, covering him and just, like, screams. Oh, it's like, yeah. It's a,
1: it's a classic. And I, I actually I actually think this is when she laughed the most. Yeah. It, it is kind of goofy. No, it's that one is enjoyably goofy. He, yeah. he goes it's also, down. it's
0: also exactly out of a role in Emmerich. Movie. Yeah, he's just
1: like, no! It, 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 it is yeah. pretty funny. And then we get some action. I will say, there is Harris. a lot of
0: casual death in this movie. Yeah. There is a lot of things. Was like, oh, I guess I just killed those people. Not in the mean way of GMK, but it was still like, oh, okay. They're just like. Well, that, it,
1: but the movie presents itself as so goofy, goofy and disposable and over, and over that, it's top, like, yeah. why not?
0: Yeah, that's basically what it is. But there is still a lot of, like, oh, yeah, they, that, those people are dead.
1: Um, but uh, so, yeah, and then uh, the zillions show up. Our yeah, so the, the monsters yeah.
0: are wrecking havoc around the world. And all of a sudden, like, just as, like,. So again, we have this Earth Defense Force with all of these mutants that have matrix fights, and they're all like going out to these locations. Like, okay, guys, here we go. We got to kick, got to kick, uh, you know, Angirus's ass, whatever it is. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all the monsters disappear. Mm-hmm. And oh well,
1: there's a big. I mean, what's weird is that out of all of the monster fights, the like the monster that gets the most action is Abira. Yes, Abira gets a whole one-on-one fight with the monsters. Kitamura has said, and in all of his interviews that I said that I've seen, and you're gonna find this really funny, he keeps on referring to the Ibira scene as a scene that he doesn't understand why it's as long as it is. He made the movie, Nick, and he it's the one scene he looks at where he's like, I love it, but you know, kind of looking back on it, I don't know why Ibira is in the movie as much as he is. <laughs> That's a true
0: director right there. That's a true forget Spielberg forget Scorsese where the the precision is there every scene is important a true director looks back in the movies like Hmm, that was a little bit too long. Why did I do that?
1: <laughs> I love it. Why did I allow this to happen? That is a real director, especially like when he has like specific monsters he wanted in the movie, and he's like, "Cause the attitude reminded me of you." Where he's like, "Why did we give the most screen time to the lobster?" Like I don't, I don't understand. Um, yeah, but yeah,
0: there is like a big one on one. But just as they're about to defeat everybody, yeah. Oh, because because we got okay. So they do this one on one action scene with abira. And then they're like about to like you know they get a beer down, and the one guy steps on a beer. It's like, sorry, I'm a vegetarian. Okay,
1: this so this movie completely whiffs on one-liners. Like it doesn't know how to do a one-liner at all. Because a what does he mean by that? It's not like a beer's plan was to get everybody to eat lobster. So like like that's what you say to like a villain that's trying to get you to eat meat. Like he's like, "I'm a vegetarian, and also you're about to kill the living creature, which I'm pretty sure a lot of vegetarians would look down upon. So what are you talking about? This is nonsense, Yes,
0: but the yes, again, all the monsters disappear, and the zillions are there, and basically. You know, because the prime or the the or the head of the UN Defense Council. Yeah, right. Which,
1: which by the way, we should. So, and I, and I would, I should actually, I liked uh, his performance as it. It was like kind of like this jolly Santa Claus performance. Yeah, like I, I did like it. Like I to give the movie credit, they did do a good job of at least introducing this character that is like friendly and likable enough that. You at least buy into the fact that like this would be the character that the Zillions would co-opt into getting everybody on board, board yeah. uh, with their plan. Well, basically,
0: there's the head of the UN Defense Council, uh, or like some head of the UN, something like that, and he like acted because he's been missing. Oh,
1: he's the uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I actually have it right here. Uh, the secret the Secretary uh, General, the UN Secretary General. Okay,
0: yeah. UN Secretary General. And he had been missing at the beginning of the monster scene. Like
1: what? Where, oh, it? he died. We think like Rodan. We think kill. Remember, he's in the plane. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. It was, well, no, because it's like it was something to the vet. Like they just know he's missing. We kind of see. They his...
1: think he's missing, but we see Rodan. No, no. This is what's bullshit about this movie. Like I'm not gonna let this go. Yeah. Is like Rodan flies past the the plane and kills him. Like he's dead. Like, he dies. So, later on in the movie, when the Zillions show up with their glasses, which is kind of cool, we get the nod to the glasses, and yeah. some of the Zillions are wearing an updated version of their original outfits, and I, I like that nod. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so this guy shows up, and he's like, oh, the Zillions rescued me, and it's all it's all good. Meanwhile, we all know that like this is a ruse. Yeah. Uh, which, and I love that our main villain of the film, the Zillion, the, the younger Zillion guy who- Who calls himself X. Yeah, who is basically the Eddie Redmayne of Jupiter Ascending- uh, uh, I'm, like, I'm
0: glad you made that reference first. Because yeah. Because I, I had made that during the movie. Yeah,
1: he's this this super over-the-top, wonderful gentleman. I love every minute of his time on screen. Uh, But he, I love how even we have a character, like, this movie is paying, oh, like, uh, uh, homage to the classic Zillion plotline of, like, oh, no, we're going to pretend that we're their friends first. And then through deception, we're going to win. And then this guy's like, what? This is nonsense. Let's just throw monsters at them. We have all the
0: monsters. Why not do yeah, it? Yeah,
1: and I, I love that we have that guy like
0: like, and and then they have the older guy who's like war isn't really the answer all the time like peaceful people peaceful takeover is much more you know
1: yeah it's much more effective and everything
0: but the other so so basically the thing is is yes they we basically know even though they haven't really revealed the movie we basically know that they have basically either co-opted him brainwashed him made a clone whatever it may be that this guy is the real un secretary general uh But he makes his presentation... Okay, so the Zillions are like, okay, we've saved your planet, there's a a giant planet hurtling towards your planet, right? and it's gonna be here in, like, 11 hours, unless you all come together and shoot it. And, like, if you shoot it, you know, we will defeat today. And
1: then... Their plan is so... It sounds so dumb. Yeah. Like, he's like, if we just shoot a bunch of guns at this giant planet, like, it's gonna be okay. And then, meanwhile, the Earth is is so jazzed that there's aliens. Yes. Like, you've never seen a more, like, and this is where, like, the movie is doing, like, this weird, like, trying to be, like, topical and political because there's, like, this whole boardroom scene where literally one scientist is like, wait a minute, there's something fishy about this. Meanwhile, there's a very elaborate like very flamboyantly dressed youthful lady who's just like who cares about facts when we can just have a good time like
0: (laughs) oh no it's it's a tv show right it's a tv debate show yeah and there's like basically it's like you have the one guy who's like like hey dude like you said aliens didn't exist like answer for your answer for yourself you 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 claimed on the show before that aliens didn't exist so you know what do you got to say and he's basically like, I still don't really believe that these are aliens. Like, we have no proof that they're aliens. You know, we, we, we really don't know. And then, yeah, the woman's just like, no, because her whole, her line is, what about, like, we don't need science when we have dreams. <laughs> That's
1: like, what? Why don't we all just dream about it? But there,
0: it is kind of, like I said, like, like it would be a scene if you Americanize this movie, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson would be in it. Like, right, you know, right. Doing his old little stupid little shtick. Because you have, like, you know, because you basically have, like, all the people who loved... The aliens at the beginning of Independence Day. You know, they have like the scene where everybody's like, oh, we love you, aliens. Like, please take me. They're, they're
1: interviewing them on like uh, talk shows. Yeah, and then the radio and, guy's and, and. like, X. And- That's the director, by the way. Uh, the radio DJ who's interviewing him. That's uh, his uh, appearance. Yeah. That was like a little fun I thing can, he wanted uh, to do. I
0: can really match his attitude in that scene with the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, and then also, got to mention this too, that. <laughs> this taken over UN secretary general is making this big pitch to the world where it's like, we're no longer the United nations.
1: We're now the
0: space nations.
1: Look at our new logo. Like it's so, first of all,
0: like space nations, like what, like it doesn't even fit with United nations. Like you say United planets or United space or something like that. Space nations, like what does that even mean? Right, right, and yeah, that he has like a fancy logo, all set up, good then, to go. And then like, and the, then everybody gives him a standing ovation because he's such a nice guy.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's so dumb. It, it, it's so like it, it, it's so. And then like you know, and and kind of some of this is like getting into that like destroy all monsters territory where it's like okay, like you know they we just had monster action and now here are the zillions and then. And here's the thing, like, I don't know, like it was just maybe because I'm used to it in these movies, they just spend so much time on this plot line. There's ahead. a
0: really big gap between monster action. Right. In in a way that like we haven't really seen in a while. But here's the
1: thing. And I and I and I said this. At no point, like they're not talking about monsters. They're not mentioning the monster. Like, I did get a kick. And don't get me wrong, like, I it popped for me when they're like out of all this we got to let godzilla free like i yeah. i'll be honest like i i'm was on board for that like that that very juvenile part of my brain was like yeah like bring it on but like to be honest like they're going through all this plot and none of this has anything to do with like Godzilla or it monsters it barely or, connects yeah it, it, it's just like and that's what i mean and then it's all this goofy action and acting with the human characters that i'm like i think that they made a show a film except with human people mm-hmm. like i i think and like there's like these terrible awful hilarious action set pieces with like you know like giant like And the thing about, like, when I think about this movie and I think about the quote-unquote characters, like, we didn't even mention the characters like that there's like our lead mutant character and then like he's flirting with like a biologist who is like i'm the the scientist like he has this moment where he's like you need to escort this biologist and he's like i don't want to escort an old man and she's like um excuse me and he's like what is a model doing as like a scientist like there's just like there's all that that kind of all that he has like a
0: rivalry with like you know, it's like buddies.
1: Yeah, and then and so by the way, like all this is like doing. They're discovering, like, all right, they're like some of these monsters have this mutant gene that these mutants yeah, the, have. The M base, and it's all connected to this ancient uh, fossilized uh, monster. We don't know what it is, except for the audience who's been following these movies. And then that's when our classic fairies show up to prophesize because we got to have them in this movie because this is a giant yeah. monster celebration. Which again is one of those things I like, can't not the movie like it's 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 giving us that like right. it, it's well, in the movie the whole
0: the whole thing is that they find this mullified monster but then they also note that it's like a cyborg with futuristic technology mm-hmm. and they're like well did they have this back then? No what's what's going on then the showbiz didn't come in basically like hey that's guygen Mothra fought a long time ago You'll need to be ready to just here's a, right. here's like a little thing,
1: which is also weird that they set up that piece of lore, but then Mothra's is not a bigger part of the movie. Yeah, that that's that's a little strange. Um, but then it introduces Geigen, so blah 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 blah. The Zillions show their true colors. They're oh going-
0: yeah, in the way the way they show their true colors. So th- there's this, there's suspicions. There's lots of suspicions like within like our main cast and like other people that you know the Zillions may not all be what they seem. So they basically get on this public talk show and then the host like presents a dog to like Brazilians. Right. The, the and they
1: well, they and they planted this earlier because earlier like the 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 general the, sec- the general secretary uh, is like it's like oh you know it's like i have everything uh in the world or something but it's like but there's just there's just there's one thing i'm I'm botching the line but he's basically he's like there's only one thing that's the most important to me and then they're like what it's like clint my dog (laughs) like and he's like ha 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 like it's like that so they established earlier that he like has like a dog named clint and then later on in the movie they're like She's like, oh, like, you have – which is now that I'm thinking about it, such a convoluted, like, kind of, yeah. like, trick. Like, because he's ba- – what she's trying to prove is, like, at this point they suspect that – and I kid you not that these people have been co-opted by the aliens because they don't blink. Yes. Like, that's their clue. I mean, they use a, the look, DNA. look at
0: this video. Look closely. They don't blink. Yeah. Everybody blinks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a line in the movie. So then, everybody blinks. So then
1: the journalist, because we have a journalist character in the movie, she does this whole thing where yes, she's it's like
0: another great She's like,
1: you know, this is your dog. Don't you remember your dog? And like, then you're like, oh it, man.
0: It, and then he's he basically is doing like the tugging on the collar, like, uh, yeah, my dog, of course. What's his name? Uh, can you? Tell me his name, please. Yeah, right. And then basically, so he's like, Clint. I was like, oh, yeah, Clint, come here. And then the dog growls at him, and then it's revealed that that's not Clint. That's another dog named Charlie or Charles. Yeah,
1: that's her dog. That's That's her her dog. dog. Which seems really dumb. Because why couldn't they – why did they have to do the whole thing? It's like plant that he had a dog named Clint and that's not – why couldn't they just do like, this is your dog? And it's like, wait a minute. You don't have a dog. Like, you know. Just, and so, also yeah. – like, It also shows – like, my favorite thing is that it shows that the Zillions are not very good at this deception thing. Like, they did not foresee at all that they may have to do a little bit of research on these, like, identities –
0: yeah, it feels like one of those types of movies where they like took over like other planets really easily, but then like those pesky humans are a little bit too investigative for their own good. <laughs>
1: they they have they don't have journalism on other planets, yeah. so then yeah, well, it's like
0: Thanos at the end of the first Avengers movie. It's like oh, like those humans like the court death, you know? And yeah, he's, they're it, like, exactly. Oh, like it's a challenge now. But um, yeah so they But then like but then also earlier like in another scene there's another woman in this weird room with the red lights and they they also got like the other prime minister whoever it is and there's more people like that have been taken over but then Don Fry and our lead weirdo mutant character mm-hmm. uh, like they like kill and they just shoot oh him Oh my por- god
1: we haven't even talked about Don Fry because Don Fry is established earlier in this movie like when we go into the future as being kind of like a like a loose cannon right like- cuz
0: they cuz they go and fight Manda You're right mm-hmm. um and then they basically like freeze Manda and like run through it and then like it again this movie does not do a good job of like leading into scenes because they do this Manda thing and it seems like everything's like fine but then, like, it, like, cuts from them, like, going through Manda to immediately, like, like you know, like a, a boss character being like, you've crossed the line one too many times. It's like there's no, like, <laughs> indication that they're going to get in trouble or what they did was wrong. Right. It just, like, kind of goes in, like, oh, yeah, they just beat Nevada. You're going to be fired for this, stuff, right, Trey. Right,
1: right, yeah. No, it, it definitely, it, it's weird because cause when they get to the point when they're, like, Captain Gordon, like, they because they, they introduce it, at like, when they get to the part where he's, like, there's one guy that we that is that we need for this job and then i was kind of like who and then they cut to him again i'm like oh i completely forgot
0: because yeah. he's like working out like he was even better like i
1: forgot that he was like being court-martialed or right, something yeah. like i i completely forgot about that element it was like, of the movie it was like
0: one thing and then they go beat the other aliens and there's these weird nick, like platinum nick, aliens
1: nick and again um like we had talked about this earlier, like my girlfriend and I had talked about this, he is bad in this movie. He's he's not a wrestler that transitions well into acting. Like, don't get me wrong, he's good in the sense of he is iconic in the movie, but for all the wrong reasons. Yes, he is so he, he like the way that she described it was that he was a, he was an alien who was every time he spoke a line it was like the first time that he had spoken English. <laughs> like, it was like,
0: I'm sorry. It was just, so- no, he did. He, well, the thing about Don Fry, like I have not watched too many of his wrestling matches, but Don Fry gr- is good as a technical ring wrestler, not someone I would note having a lot of charisma. Within like you know that personality, he presents himself as like kind of the silent badass type of character most of the time within wrestling. From what I've seen, I'm sure he has had some like mic work and promo work. I'm sure they were fine for doing New Japan Pro Wrestling in the late '90s, but he he's not like The Rock. He's not a Cena. He's not like that that person that just oods personality. So when he has, like, all these lines, they come off as very wooden because he just does not have that natural charisma to pull off these one line. But what's so
1: he- weird is, like, the movie feels so much of a need to give him lines when he doesn't need no, to it, speak. It,
0: it, like we said, the movie feels very sure of itself, and it feels very sure that whenever Don Fry is delivering a line, it's in the most bad. Like, at one point— yeah, Like, the movie— presents it the way the movie shoots it is like you're supposed to see these lines as extremely badass right Like you're supposed to see him as like kind of the badass no nonsense you know kind of snake pliskin motherfucker yeah, who's he's just got like,
1: he's got a brown coat he's got a sword for some reason he's got he's got like, a, a, like, and, and he's and got the a mustache on him he's got a mustache like the best that he possibly is in the movie is during that scene where he's like we're gonna release Godzilla. Like that that may be I'm I'm being generous in yeah. saying that's the best he is in the movie. Yeah. But it, it it's it's so bad, but I mean it's so it, bad. It's like good. the
0: thing is it's like it's it legitimately is just like you picked out Mike Hager out of Final Fight or, yes. or Marvel vs. Capcom three, placed him in real life, and told him to act. Yes. It's like I'm just a mayor, man. I'm just a wrestler, I don't act. But it's just like, but that's the thing. It's just like he just does not have that personality to, to, to so the lines just always feel like mm-hmm. wooden. But again, as we've said, the movie is so sure that what it's doing is correct that it always presents these scenes like, and oh, you're gonna be like, that's badass. That's like amazing that he's just like so stoic in this action.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm also like, I, like.
1: It's something to behold. It's so interesting, like how much. I definitely think they're like because he's so. You're right. He's so presented in that way of like this is your like takeaway character. Yeah, this is the movie that you're. This is which in some ways he kind of is, but again for all the wrong reasons. But then
0: it's also like, I mean, like our main mutant guy as well. Uh, Who cares? Who cares? He's not very memorable But he, he he He's one of those people He constantly He constantly you know,
1: looks constipated
0: he, he He's the person like Oh the way to act angry Is to like shake He's always doing like Oh I'm so angry He's like shaking Like you know, his face to his core And he's like But and he gives some really odd looks in this movie. Yeah. Like, like he it, gives some. There's one where, he like, he's like, he's like, his friend's dying or something like that. Or he's like, oh, his. No, it's like the one other commander character. It's Again, like,
1: okay, so this is a microcosm of how they deal with the human drama in this movie is like they pull a. Uh, mentor character sacrificing himself moment but the movie so breezily goes through all of its plot points that you're like I guess like you're like all right, I guess he was the father figure
0: like one like in in the beginning of the movie where like they're doing the first Matrix fight which is absurd by the way. There's it's it's so out of the matrix. It's not even funny.
1: It's so out of the matrix but it also doesn't make any sense cuz it's like this is the real world and people are just flying for They're no like reason. They're like floating in air
0: and they do like the camera turn like straight out of like the like you know like the Neo fights like the the in uh the second one. Uh the Matrix uh Reloaded. That's the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know my Matrix movies like titles real well, but like in the second one, where like the vacation fine, they're doing like the circle around them, but it's just like also in the real world, and also they're just telling us they're mutants and not really establishing what that means for the audience. It's very much like, oh, they're mutants, so they can kind of do crazy things. But you then-
1: know, at one point, somebody says like, somebody says like, get lost, X Man. Yes, they say that in the movie. What are you doing, yeah. movie? <laughs> but stop it.
0: But basically, like, that father character, like, peers, like, once and, like, you know, chastises these two for, like, having a fight. And that's really only against, like, he's a mentor. Then when he's sacrificing himself, our main character mutant, like, doesn't even look, like, he looks, like, again, constipated, angry. But he gives, like, a little, like, growl. Like, he grits his teeth, like, Urgh! and then he, like, leaves. Is like, what is that? Like, what is that oh, choice? God.
1: Um. But then eventually the Zillions take over. Can we just get to this part of oh no, the movie? So basically, like, this, I will this is, say this. Oh, God. So
0: after their deception is uh, done, yes, the yeah. young ex, the young leader, or the the young guy, our main villain, yeah, just straight up kills the the leader. Yeah,
1: called the controller the actually, con- which is a reference to remember the Zillions were yes. like, oh, the main controller yeah. is like. So yeah, they so kill like fun. the old
0: guy who's like, we're gonna go peace. He's like, well, fuck this. Time to really like show them what we're made of. And so he brings back all the monsters out, and basically is like, "Well, here's here's the deal: like, your cattle, we're going yeah. we're gonna eat you." Yeah. Which? Oh, oh no, God. no, we can't eat you. We need your mitochondria. Yeah. So or whatever your
1: mitochondria, like it, it's it like, might as well be mitochondria. Basically, their plan ultimately, which makes no sense, is like they basically want to herd the human race for their basic, for their genetic material, and then just have them be cattle for that but we've spent the entire movie and and frankly i was saying like as goofy as it is the shots of the monsters and the spaceships destroying everything is massive and scale enough that i can get on board with it mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's like kind of like a fun visual but it's like they're destroying so much and then at the end he's like yeah we're going to herd you as cattle dude you've killed so many people yeah. by this point and the stakes of the movie go up so like high so quickly that like characters are talking like listen tomorrow there may be no tomorrow it's like everything was fine like five minutes ago
0: and it's also again because there's no really impact in the movie you know in terms of those beats that when they say that it's just it's meaningless right like it tends to be meaningless in that in that way of just being like oh yeah well the, the fate of the world rests on us Okay, sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so then they get the plan to release Godzilla to fight all the other monsters mm-hmm. and uh, be the king of the monsters. And, um, you know, they go back to the uh, Arctic Pole, uh, the, the, the North Pole where, or the South Pole, whatever. It was the South Pole. It was the South Pole where, where- uh, there's two goofy... Like Islander guys, yes, like that are
0: watching over a base,
1: yeah, watching over a base, listening to the Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla battle music, which, which was an awesome, which uh, was Easter like egg. probably
0: honestly my favorite part of the movie, yeah, that was fun, was just like I recognizing, like, because like, it's the big bongo, like, bump, 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 bump,
1: yeah, that was fun, yeah, I it's, like because that.
0: That's still one of the best Godzilla scores, honestly, like, one of the especially one of the best, like, because I think that's a non Ifekube score, so it's definitely the best, like, non Ifekube score, um, but they're basically like. They're on their way. Again, more not great American acting. They're on their way. Well, why are they coming here? That's crazy. They want to release Godzilla. One of the worst and then one of the worst spit takes I've ever seen on film. <laughs> oh God. Like, it was like terrible. it's just the the Here's the thing about a spit take it requires very precise timing. You gotta get the spit take at the right time in order to maximize the laugh. There's movies where spit takes are very, very memorable this is not one of them because what happens is in the spit take he takes the drink too long he waits too long for the spit take the the camera has him like this you need that spit take right away you need that cut you you can't be drinking and then like
1: like 2 seconds later yeah but nick this is this is a this is a film it's breaking all the rules of cinema it's art it's again
0: lessens the impact we need impact but um, they release Godzilla. They
1: released Godzilla, and then he he fights a bunch of monsters. Were, were there any of these monster fights that you did, uh, or anything of note that you did take? I mean, we we get we get a new version of Gigan. I go back and forth whether I enjoy this visual. Like, I'm just talking about like the design of Gigan. <laughs> yeah. I because I am partial to that like green kind of parrot version of yeah. it, but I've been growing on this more site Like, if you showed us like this is the new Gigan, like. Yeah, it works. I, like, I,
0: it's one of those things where I think either one is good. Like yeah. I, I, I think in terms of design, like I think either one is, is good. I again, I did kind of dig for this movie the sleeker design. I think really works.
1: I like seeing Gaigan again. I, I like that he showed up. <laughs> That's uh, the so key, guy, the key word seeing. Gigan. So okay, all right. Let, let's get this out of the way. Gaigan cements his position as the Boba Fett of kaiju in the in this film where awesome looking kaiju. Um, has a place in it, could be awesome, but now, like, where he was just kind of a character that was just kind of, like, cool and kind of forgotten, and frankly is in one of our favorite Godzilla films, now has become, has a Sarlacc, falling into the Sarlacc pit This legacy at this, this point. This movie is Gigan's Return to the Jedi. Yes.
0: He, so at in one... In terms of, like, he has maybe one cool, like... He has one moment that's equivalent to Boba Fett flicking that girl's chin. Yeah. Like, he has one cool moment within this movie, which is surrounded by a whole bunch of, like, what are you doing? Because the thing about Gigan, we've we've, we've talked about many times, I don't want to get too much into it, is that in those previous two films, Geigen is a character that you felt like didn't have... You know, didn't reach his full potential. And I do feel like Geigen's best movie is absolutely Megalon. And I do feel it's because you have kind of, again, that kind of two-on-two action where they're Mm -hmm. able to switch up their opponents so often. And I also think that, honestly, Jet Jaguar and Geigen fit together like a glove. They're both these kind of robotic creatures. Mm, I do feel like they fit really well. This movie, and here's the thing that first kind of sequence where Gigan awakens kind of shows a lot of promise. Like there is a sense of like, Oh, they're finally doing something with Gigan. Yeah.
1: And, and it's a good pull from, from Godzilla lore. Yeah. It's like, we're finally bringing and I'm back like, oh, this well, character. Yeah. we'll be
0: like, okay, well then maybe that's one of the things about this movie. So then Gigan, you know, follows them to the South pole and, and Godzilla beats him, you know, as he does all the monsters in this movie, Godzilla kind of just beats him. And, and then I'm thinking, okay, well that's, you know, that's what it is, you know. Whatever. But then Gaiking comes back for the basically the final fight.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, it, with the chainsaw arms. I hate the chainsaw arms. I yeah. love. I, I like the sai. I like like yeah. the little the sickles he has. But then they give him chainsaw arms. Fine. Whatever.
0: Okay. So yeah, there's that. The chainsaw arms are like okay. Well, that's a that's a choice. The sickle arms were fine. Whatever. Then I mean, he gets a battle
1: with Mothra. So. He gets a battle of Mothra. What was that? <laughs> Nick did this whole little dance. <laughs> I wish everybody could it's, see that.
0: I, I gotta say this. It was a very Mel Brooks movie esque little like like yeah, little thing. Right, I've, yeah. I've been on a Mel Brooks kick recently. Um, but so then what happens? And th- I'm not sure. I'm feel like I misinterpreted what happened in the scene. But I'm just gonna say it how I saw it. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this thing, and, like, you know, Geigen's kind of not really doing that much interesting stuff. Like, there's kind of, like, kind of cuts off a Mothra wing at one point. Mothra kind of does this. Gigan shoots out these two buzzsaws, And then, as far as I know, the Mothra avoids the buzzsaws, And there's this kind of, like, you know, Power Rangers acts like random explosion.
1: Well, no, he he shoots her after that. Yeah. Like, yeah, he oh, does he shoot her with her, yeah. the, with his laser beam. Geigen
0: like turns around. Yeah, poses. Yeah, and then his own buzzsaws cut off his head. Yeah, that's what happens. I've I did seen... not just like Mothra didn't like block it or anything. Like literally, like Geigen literally just killed him. I mean, like
1: like like Mothra kamikazes the 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 killing blow. But no, yeah, that that's what happens. He poses, and his own buzzsaw is boomerang back and cut off his head. And he 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 even has the
0: moment where, like, he even has like, oh damn it, moment where like he turns around and you feel like, like my my head was like, there's no way that just does happened. Like, oh, the buzzsaw is just like went around him in like a cool way. Nope, Gigan's head falls off. Right. What a
1: moron! Like present Gigan. But, but here's the thing, I kind of love it. Like I, I can't help but like love. Like now, that's the legacy of Gigan. Like you know, I don't like there. There's something charming, even though if it's like a dumb choice. Yeah. Like I can't help it now. Like love that that is part of this character now. That it's like he was just a dumbass, and because also like the thing about it though is like so he lost that initial battle to Godzilla. I mean, both times gets decapitated in both of these, like, killings. Yeah. That he lost, and the zillions were like, okay, the problem was is that he didn't have buzzsaw hands. Like, what? Because <laughs> that's the only thing that they did to him. Yeah. So, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's Geigen in this movie. I mean, no, they, they,
0: they, it's it's a true... Both of our franchises have Boba Fett now.
1: Yeah. Um... Some fun facts cuz I just want kind of want to get through some of this monster stuff is that um Hedorah did initially have a little bit more in the film uh have a little bit more to do uh, yeah. a little bit more of a fight uh but was uh, cut out of the final product. So all we see of of Hedorah is he basically like cuz this is a really
0: this is also like a what the hell moment because like again Hedorah not really presented it's not shown at all in the previous parts of the movie and all of a sudden like you see like something like Godzilla, like knocks something out of the water and then it hits the building. And it took me a second to register. I'm like, that's
1: what, um, the infamous Gotengo, uh, um, like a big drill jet that they use, which has become a, a fixture of Godzilla lore now, is yes. the Gotango jet. Um, earlier drafts of the script had the uh, pilots piloting possibly a Kiryu Mecha Godzilla type of machine, yeah. and that was going to be that, but they kind of streamlined it down to a a big jet. Um, and uh, the other big thing, monster related, is that reports and storyboards show that in the fight between Godzilla King Caesar and Gyrus and Rodan that once uh, he defeated them all, the Godzilla actually much, in, much similar to the rest of the creatures delivered the final killing blow in storyboards. But that scene was cut from the film uh, as a possible nod to the fact that all three of those creatures were traditionally uh, Godzilla allies mm-hmm. in, in the past, especially in the show of films.
0: I, I think you, you met, you asked me earlier if there was any fights that like am, impact or like, you know, Dimension. I think before I get to that one, it, it, the the Zilla thing uh, has to be mentioned. Oh yeah. In that like Zilla is more so. Well, here you know what? Actually, here's the thing. They present like the idea and what people present this as, especially fandom, is that basically, oh, like Godzilla kicks Zilla's ass. Basically, like Zilla runs past, you know, runs to Godzilla. Godzilla knocks him into like the Opera House or the Sydney Opera House, and basically just decimates him like within a second, while a some Forty One song plays in the background. Um my thing is like that scene would be notable if I also didn't feel like that was every other monster scene in the movie. Mm. Because mm. it's basically like, I mean, how is that any different than like, you know, like like I guess like, you know, stuff like Kumonga and Camerkurris and stuff like have a little bit more, but like also like what like Kumonga like puts him in like this web twice and then Godzilla basically knocks him yeah, out. Yeah, like, no, and I then Camacuris is on a bridge. Now, I will say that the, the little bit more length of that, uh, you know, the, the Caesar, uh, Anguirus, and Rodan fight, I think, does leave a little bit more enjoyment in terms of a monster battle uh, of that fight. And I do like, it's one, one of those things where, again, I wanted more because I did like, you know, the the roll up, like, Anguirus rolling up in that, you know, ball style. I thought had a lot of potential. And I think that they did like minimum stuff where Godzilla like hits it with his tail, but also like, you know, and Garrus actually gets some blows by it. Like just like kind of hitting Godzilla a couple of times, but I just want to want to see more with that. And like, you know, Rodan and really King Caesar really don't get that much. I think there was a really nice little nod of like, like just a shot of Caesar with his ears up and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fun. But again, it's just like that, that scene just like, it just kind of just as it gets going, it's just kind of over. And I just feel like that was, like, really where I was like, okay, well, this is the type of movie it is. And I kind of, I guess my thing was, like, I accept it for that. But at the same time, I just wish it was different.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, I I think the most fun I had in the movie was in the final fight. Um, It's
0: because it's the most lengthy fight.
1: Yeah, it's the most lengthy fight, and I think some cool stuff happens, I think, when he's fighting Kaiser Ghidorah, which, you know, we get Monster X come. And it's also when, like, a lot of the coolest stuff is happening, like, Godzilla does, like, the big superhero, like like, oh, I'm going to stop the meteor from coming down and, like, fight Frieza. And, yeah. like, it's, like, so he does, like, a lot of cool DBZ stuff. Uh, He he kills Ghidorah. That was
0: another thing that your girlfriend said that really made me laugh is that uh, Monster X descends as if he's Frieza. He does. He does. He He really really does. does Fine,
1: But he comes down. I mean, it's my favorite uh, how to dispatch of Ghidorah where he blows off one of his head and then uses the breath from the the electric breath from Mm Ghidorah in one head to like chop off another head and I liked all that. I like kind of like the gravity beams being used as gravity beams or like Ghidorah uses it to like drag Godzilla around. And I, I actually thought a lot of that, like from a craft point of view, was actually well done. I thought it was like shot a little bit better too. Um, but, you know, dude, there, there's so much we we didn't get into about like- I got a couple things to mention. Okay.
0: First of all, there is a legitimate just a Death Star trench run right. in this movie.
1: For no reason, though, For too. No because reason. like, and, and that's, like, the guy, the lead guy's buddy who, because earlier in the movie, they have this rivalry, and then, like, he rescues him, and then he's like, why did you rescue me? And he's like, oh, because we're a team or whatever. So he's like, alright, like, this is how I'm gonna pay you back. So he does like a trench run. It, well, not really a trench run. He does, like, more of a Return of the Jedi, like, going into the core of the yeah, spaceship. Yeah,
0: a, like, a Death Star run. But yeah. it's like,
1: how do you know that's there? Like, at no point yeah. in the movie that they establish, like, this is how you get into the spaceship. He just goes into a random hole in the spaceship that leads to the core of the ship somehow
0: yeah
1: that's dumb mm-hmm.
0: um there's also so we've mentioned our main villain who calls himself x um i did very much i think he is one of the most enjoyable parts oh yeah of the movie. definitely 100 overacting i loved him reacting they always cut him reacting to godzilla like defeating his monsters. He was like, ah Yeah, yeah. But then there was also a ridiculous moment like we gotta mention this real quick, where they're all the confrontation on the ship, and they're basically like they're establishing more of this like lore of the mutants and like all basically all the mutants are actually descendants of the zillions. Mm-hmm. They're all like basically have Zillion DNA with them. But then our lead hero has the perfect combination of human and Zillion DNA, which makes him a Kaiser, which essentially makes him the one. It literally just makes him Neo because like, but then also it's like, well, anything with M base I can control. So I'm going to control you now. And then basically he like mind controls the lead guy. And then everybody's like, no, this isn't you. Wake up. Right. Like, you, you, yeah. you know what it is in your heart. And then finally, like, I forget, like, what happens, but they eventually, like, get him. And then they go into a big...
1: Oh, no, she... The biologist stabs him with, like, an well, artifact oh, from with the... the... With, with the Mothra artifact. Yeah, mm-hmm. Where
0: they're... At the, like, basically, they present it in the beginning of the movie, the, the Shobojin, which, uh, note on the Blu-ray, really enjoyed that the Shobojin, in terms of talking, With you know, they talk in sync oh the
1: subtitles were doubled up doubled up yeah
0: but they basically give him this like artifact basically like it's a jail get out of jail free card like this will help you in the right moment like a MacGuffin type Mm -hmm. of deal right then you forget about it and they're like oh yeah they have that thing and then they get into a fight and again our lead character mutant is literally just neo where he's just like being like a perfect fire like oh i can block all your things like i know exactly what you're gonna do and then like he has special vision as he's running out of the ship to get out
1: oh dude you're missing the Big thing is that he stops all the laser bullets.
0: Yeah, he kylo rends the laser
1: bullets. But well, no, but Neo does that in remember, yes. he, yeah, no, like Neo does that. But it's that also in the because Matrix. of
0: laser bullets. Yeah. It does remind me more of Kylo. Yeah, ben-
1: yeah, fair enough. Yeah.
0: Uh also, by the way, did you know? Wait,
1: there's that awesome scene where he's punching the guy in the ground, and then you see the video of Godzilla punching Monster X on the yes. ground. That, that yeah. was pretty fun.
0: Did you know that there's like three scenes? with Manila well the, and yeah this, kid the, the, this and the is the man.
1: big thing that I think kind of like brings it all to a head really is that and again I I see where Kitamura is coming from like this is like kind of like the scenes where the quote unquote themes are established and like you know you have this like kid and this old man in a bear suit. Who's like you know driving around with Manila and you know kind of like following the who's Godzilla driving fight. the car? Bears
0: driving the car. Manila's yeah. driving the car.
1: But like, yeah, it's, it's cr- so so. Hope you appreciate my reference to Clerks the animated series. I, I got it. I, I got gathered from it. Um, but yeah, and it, it's just. But you're right. They're so haphazardly put into the film. Like there's like, no
0: like they just cut to it. Like there's no lead up. There's no establishing shot. It's like all of a sudden Manila like. Literally the first scene, it's like, we're like, what, like 40 minutes in this movie or something like that? We're like pretty lengthy into this movie. All of a sudden, it just like cuts to a man holding Manila at gunpoint. Like, Mm -hmm. that's literally it. Now, here's a thought I had on this, by the way. So, this is, and it kind of ties into the ending of the movie. But, I feel like the hasty version of this movie would have made that like the main plot line almost like there Mm, would have been more mm. of an emphasis on it and i think that if there's one thing that this movie lacks it is a real civilian perspective which i think that a lot of the godzilla movies do a good point very well like even like the ones that have the military stuff like let's take against mecha godzilla which is very military based you still have kind of this kind of perspective of like the regular old scientist guy who's now tasked with building a mecha Godzilla, and like even like kind of you know our our lead character in that movie and her kind of history, there's kind of a down to earth nature. This movie kind of lacks a down to earth nature that most of the other Godzilla movies have, and I think that kind of like you could have used that middle of plot line of just like here's the perspective of this kid and his grandpa right. who find this like scared little baby Godzilla creature. And like you know, basically help help it traverse it across Japan, and and then you kind of get their perspective on things that are going on instead of just cutting to it randomly three times and then it ties into the ending. Like I feel like that there's, you know, but I think that was actually a a point your girlfriend made. It was like there's a there's a whole movie out of that, and I feel like if you more balance the elements, Mm -hmm. because I think really at the end of the day, despite everything, this movie despite it doesn't have its impact and I think it lacks balance between its elements because there's elements of like there's like too much human stuff that's like you know extends the movie so much with all this kind of weird lore and the kaisers and you know the mutants and and the motorcycle chases. there's one motorcycle chase that kind of comes out of nowhere and then you have the monster stuff which like flies by so quickly And then you have this like kind of like grounded storyline that basically is like in and out. And again, I get that's the intention. But if you kind of redid the movie and balanced out those elements a little bit more, I just feel like it would have a lot been more palatable. It would have been a lot more easier to swallow. Yeah,
1: I mean you're just talking about a better-made movie. Like it's just like, just
0: like I'm just like, you know, being specific like this you balance out these elements. I think you can have all these types of elements. It's just like there's just too much of some things, not enough of the other. That's really the case of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the the Manila thing is an interesting kind of, like, wrapping up point because, you know, Godzilla, you know, Monster X turns into Kaiser Ghidorah, and then he essentially, he gets his classic Ghidorah fight, and then he defeats Ghidorah, and then it's kind of like this theme, and, and you can see where Kitamura is coming from by being like, oh, like, the, the young people, the boy in Manila stop godzilla from fighting each other because right. they they try to hammer home this thing that godzilla is more of like an anti-hero right who's like kind mad of at more humanity. like
0: middle early showa era type of right deal where he's like kind of a force of nature kind of has a heroic streak because he fights all these other monsters but isn't like opposed to destruction because earlier in the movie when the grandpa's first about to shoot manila the kid like stands in front of him like you, you have to go through me. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, the kid stands in front of Godzilla and Manila st- stands in front of the humans. And basically there's like, we're, we're done fighting here. And then Godzilla and Manila right, right they, off into the sunset. yeah, uh, Which and, is actually and, and, like a really nice visual of an ending. I, I do kind of like like the sunset and how Godzilla looks on it. Yeah,
1: the, the movie and definitely think, presents it in a way where it's like this is meant to be a celebration of Godzilla. And I mean, like the, 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 biggest, the, the biggest thing with it is that like, one of the interesting things about it is that at the end of the day, and this is one of the things that Lonnie did say, despite all of our mockery of the film, oh, is, is, the that, is that we were like... The thing is, like the one thing that you do walk away with it that is interesting about the film is that while it is not a great introduction into what a good Godzilla movie is or what it could be, there is kind of this sense of, well, it does... She did come across, she did come away with it like knowing like oh there's a lot of lore and kaiju that that you can reference yeah. that like clearly that there's you a history can, you can pick up that this film is playing a best of hits to it yeah. so if there's one big positive thing I could say about the movie is that it is demonstrating that there is a history and a lore because I don't think people would know that there's this many different type of kaiju that are associated with Godzilla that they don't know that there's like all this kind of like magical and science sci-fi lore so I don't think it handles handles all of that elements well while I have kind of like a uh, like a soft spot for it just on a stupid bad movie level honestly that this is actually kind of one of the only times I think during this podcast where I've said I like this as a bad movie yeah. <laughs> like frankly but I do think that it is a for warts and all a like a representation of like, oh, that there is a entire genre based history with this, with this character. And I think that's like kind of like the biggest positive thing I can say about it. And then like, again, it's, it's a wacky, dumb, stupid movie that, um, in a lot of it, I think, I do think a lot of the movie kind of like, depends on your knowledge of... It's a tricky movie and that's why it's kind of like it doesn't work entirely because I think it only truly works if you know all of these tropes and you know all these Mm -hmm. characters and then even then it's a slave to how much of a sense of humor do you have about all this stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's based off like, well, you know that Mothra and you know about the Mothra lore, you know about the Ghidorah lore, you know about the Manila lore, you know all about this stuff. And, but then it's also like, yeah, but like you can know all that stuff and still want like a better movie out of it. Like, and you know, and I'm only kind of barely there where I'm like willing to have fun with it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. It's a very strange film. Uh, is there anything else to say about it, or should we wrap up?
0: Uh, Harrison Ford was the, yeah, it had to be
1: Gordon. He should have just been Captain yeah, Gordon.
0: that be just to wrap that We
1: up. need to release Godzilla.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't hit a woman, would you? Yeah.
1: He just judo chops her and turns her off. Also, they're robots. Maybe. Like that one guy was a robot perhaps? Oh, and
0: also by the way, one of the other ridiculous elements is that all those characters that were we thought were dead. Oh,
1: so yeah. yeah so like the, the 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 secretary general comes back and he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm alive. Yeah. Like, but then what was the point of the whole like you died and the alien took over? Like, why? Like, why are you back? They're all like captured on the ship. So dumb. So dumb. All right. Anyway. All right. Movies. Movie comes out. It comes out in two thousand four. Um. Fun fact is that on the same day, uh, that, um, that oh, it had its a premiere at the Grauman's uh, Chinese Theater the same uh, day as Godzilla uh, got his uh star on the uh Hollywood Walk of Fame. Nice. Uh, which is uh, that's a little fun. No e- handprints e- though. Uh, no. It's it's too big. The the <laughs> handprint like you know they wanted it but it's just you know um. Wow. Just it just it wouldn't happen. They they don't have the real estate for it in front of the theater. Um. So reception of the film overall, this movie has a mixed reception. Hey, what a shock! Um. Listen, I mean, it's a movie where I think everybody kind of has a soft spot for it. They they kind of get what it's going for, but it, we they kind of have like what we're saying about it. I'm not trying to simplify it. It's just this is seems to be the reception of everybody digs that it's this like big wacky celebration of it and there's a little bit especially as time has gone on where they just kind of look at it as one of those lesser Showa films where it's just like yeah just enjoy for the dumb movie that it is but there's a sense of like a lot of people saying like but this could be better this just simply could be a better movie um but um I will say that a lot of fans do look at Don Fry as being like, even though he's terrible, as like kind of like that classic, like iconic character, bad character in a bad movie. Yeah. And I, and I, I do think you know, 75% of the work is in the mustache. Yeah. But um, I mean, like he had like we used it as the quote. Like he's like it's like there's two things about Earth, me and Godzilla. Like it's like, and when you have a quote like that, like there's a lot of people where it just war, it, it just yeah, it's infectious. That how can you not have a soft spot? For there,
0: it. there is just like yeah, but like the, the mustache is part of Fry's whole identity, even into his wrestling career. So mm-hmm. it's like it's hard not to get attached to it.
1: Yeah. Um. So anyway, wow. And that then was
0: this was going to be the end for a while. Yeah. Like it was very much presented as. Even in those trailers, it's like you know, "Sayonara, Godzilla." Yeah, like, this is this well. Is even it. The,
1: the opening of this had like a you know the Ifakube, like theme play because regard like there's like this uh, very actually this is one of the first films where they actually got a Western composer to do the uh, the music, mm. whereas this weird like video gamey like. You know, fighting game music. Yeah, the um, scores very on. Yeah, it, it, it's but the Ifakube, uh score with a logo appears up at the yeah. at the top of the film, which I thought was a nice little tasteful touch. But um, you know, but so that leads us into because this was it for a while, like for both Toho and everyone else. The next film that we will discuss uh, is not a Toho uh, reintroduction to Godzilla. It's once again the ten years later. Ten years later, the Americans are back up at bat with Legendary's twenty fourteen Godzilla. I cannot wait to talk about this movie.
0: I am very, very interested, and we're like it's crazy that we're so close to the end. Really, this podcast. The very genesis of it, even though it didn't come for a couple years after that, the very genesis of it came from 2014 and, and enjoying that movie. So That's true. I will be very interested to revisit it again and discuss it, whether or not it deserves its criticisms. I will be very interested to, to have it up. All
1: right. Um, and so, we'll
0: have another Godzilla Deep Dive this month as well.
1: Yes. Uh, well, that actually is will be our next episode is a Godzilla Deep Dive in which uh, now that we've wrapped up the Millennium Series, we are going to talk about and review the Millennium Series as a whole and its place in the uh, Godzilla uh, franchise. Um, but next time is um next movie we discuss is uh not a Godzilla film. It is a jam- it, it is a it, James Bond adjacent it, film. It, yes. Uh in which we will be talking about Jack Ryan, if I remember correctly. Yes.
0: Uh we are going to delve into uh Jack Ryan. Uh we're gonna delve into our favorite actor, Harrison Ford. Yes. Uh we're gonna take a look at his second performance as Jack Ryan in Clear and Present Danger. And I feel like this will also be much like our Austin Powers episode was talking about General Austin Powers. This will be a little bit of a, a deeper insight into how wrong we were about Jack Ryan uh, uh, from earlier in the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, until next time, uh, Nick, uh, plug away, Nick. All right. Plug well, away. we got, we got we're, a- Oh, wait. For, for, I forgot. We're done. I'm done. You're done. All right. Now plug away. Okay.
0: Bonsolapod at gmail.com. You know, nobody ever emailed us about the Space Jam thing. I don't even remember what it was for, so.
1: It was uh, what the stuff was called, like right. when he uh, absorbs the. Yeah, they're the, like essence or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. they put it in the the, the, the basketball. basketball, yeah.
0: So if you, I mean, that's really the only thing you need to email us about, and that is Bonsolapod at gmail.com. We have a Twitter account, uh, twitter.com slash bonzilla007, facebook.com as well, slash bonzilla007, soundcloud.com slash bonzilla007, like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, Thank you all for listening. Our uh, Austin Powers episode has actually been doing very well, Um, and we appreciate your love, and uh, we hope you keep on listening.
1: All right. Well, Nick, until next time, I'm Will. I'm Nick. And Good night, everybody.
0: I don't have a cool joke for this one.